Hey everybody, welcome back to the Billy Club, the show where we take a look at the adventures of Marvel's Crimson Crusader through his many, I guess at this point, still kind of yellowy adventures. Yeah, pretty yellow, pretty yellow out here. Yeah, right? <laughs> you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at NicoAction, that's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And I'm Tori, you can find me on Twitter at Tori underscore Sheehan and on Instagram at SMTori, that's Tori with an I. Now you guys may notice that I'm decked out in a little bit of spider gear right whip whip motherfuckers right because we're here to talk about one of the <laughs> first non-daredevil daredevil appearances that daredevil ever did dare to devil yeah yeah, yeah yeah he swung on over to the uh i guess queen side of things and uh we've got a burrow happen bopping crossover yeah, I mean, he's playing at 71871 great, and he's feeling fine about <laughs> whipping his ass through the burrows, right? It's true. And the thing I love about this story is also one of the kind of like foibles of it, I guess. But, you know, we're here to talk about Amazing Spider-Man number 16 with a soupçon of Amazing Spider-Man number 18. Just the slightest soupçon. Right, it's not even an amuse bouche because my my bouche was not amused. No, it was not. Neither was mine. My 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 bouche was sad. Right, yeah. uh, but we're here to talk about these two fantastic issues, both of which are by the incredible Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, the incredible team that is best known for Amazing Spider-Man. And okay, now this story is significant. When I say this story is significant. This would be reprinted no less than two times in the same book. Really? Yeah, a title called Marvel Tales, and Marvel Tales primarily did deal in reprints, right? But it was reprinted in Marvel Tales 11 and 154. Why? Is, is this a particularly, like, Spider-Man important moment? Because, like, this one. Yeah where all that's achieved is that Spider-Man became hypnotized for a little bit and he doesn't go on a date? The one. Why is this so important? Because we continue to see the significance of this meeting radiated out until today. I want to talk about the significance of the incorporating moment of the MC unification of Daredevil and Spider-Man being bringing Spider-Man into... I'm sorry, bringing Daredevil into Spider-Man through No Way Home. And it's this moment that sort of changed everything somehow. And I'm going to go on my, my it's the young man's I want to be journey moment for one more time. By the way, I am, of course, spider-pooling it because that is how I spidey, right? Uh, other than that, give me some Aranya, give me some Mayday, give me some Miguel, right? I like my, I like my spiders a little spicy, right? <laughs> so... So uh, the key thing here is when Spider-Man came out, Spider-Man was how young men interacted with heroism. You know what I mean? Like Captain America was a big motherfucker who took, you know, some government legal roids and had a good day of it. You know what I mean? Iron Man is a billionaire philanthropist. I said it. Full on thropist. So he is also not an attainable, but... Spider-Man, and this was all recently pointed out beautifully by contributor Nathan to Excess for Podcast, the partner show of this series, but Spider-Man is the kind of like accessible everyman. Now imagine yes. 
you're the accessible everyman. You're 16 years old. And like nobody at school takes you seriously. But like you are the strongest guy your age ever. I mean, like, yeah, we, we saw this when Daredevil was 16. We talked about this. The idea that this is the nerd's dream. Yeah. Now imagine you're the nerd. I have, I am. Imagine you're the nerd and you're the, (laughs) so imagine you're Spider Tory, okay? And you thwip your way into a situation (laughs) where Dare Nico is hanging out and he doesn't know you're 16. Right. To him, you're an adult. You're also a man. And this moment of acceptance of fraternal brotherhood is every time an older brother gave a younger brother a beer and didn't realize it was his younger brother's first beer. This isn't Spider-Man's first team up. This isn't even Daredevil's first team up as in a matter of speaking, he and the Fantastic Four had, we'll call it a moment. And well, no, well, no, Daredevil didn't team up, Matt teamed up. Okay, and I'll take it, I'll take it, right? But this is like, this is the start of a great friendship. This is yeah. of a like of, of a defining friendship. And it's also really interesting that you bring up that like Spider-Man is just so pleased to be considered one of the one of the adults that like he's cool. Because like one of the like the moment that Matt meets him, he's like, Well, that felt like a 16-year-old inside of that suit. Well, that's weird. But then he doesn't treat him like a child ever, right. which is something that speaks on matt and daredevil is that there might be a 16 year old kid in there but like well we all gotta we all gotta punch bad guys so it's cool he he signed up for this (laughs) and you know it has such an impact because we see that in peter's treatment of miles to this day Mm -hmm. so like it's a really lovely parallel that you know it just so tremendously supports why what we might even call the spider-man experiment is so viable with heroism you know batman was already like an old bitch right and you know captain america was like saggy right but like here comes spider-man i'm kidding i'm totally kidding it's a lot of adjectives right here that i don't think anybody agrees with (laughs) i don't either i totally don't either but like when robin is introduced robin is a side Yes, yes, yes. Spider-Man feels like a companion that gets to run the TARDIS. Yeah, yeah. And so there is something so to the heart of the argument of the nature of Spider-Man and Daredevil. And I know you've gotten a chance to read some of it, but every time, and it's unfortunate that, you know, it's like every time somebody is writing Daredevil, they write the name down, like kind of like I would. I would write Nico Daredevil, Nico Daredevil, <laughs> Mr. Nico Daredevil, Mr. and Mrs. Nico Daredevil. I would write it on every notebook. I would like steal. Okay, okay, notebooks. Karen. Okay. <laughs> I would have fix it. And so um, <laughs> I feel like what happens is everybody writes it and then they go, but what if you move the space? Dared evil. And like everybody does a Matt goes too far storyline, right? And uh, every time Matt goes too far, which is far too frequent, right? Every time- Like once Matt- a year. It's once every every 10th issue, Matt's like pushing the line. And then someone goes, you know, Daredevil's not a hero anymore. And Matt's like, no, no, but I was, no. 
I was just going to beat this man to death with this stick. Yeah, <laughs> no. Right? But so every time Matt's about to, you know, punch a priest or something, Spider-Man comes in and is like, thwip, thwip, I'm going to stop you because I'm a street tough and I'm from Queens, you know, and or whatever. And I, I, and, and Daredevil, that was thwipping. And Daredevil's like, and that was blocking the thwips with the sticks, right? So I think my point here, right, <laughs> is uh, somewhere I got too excited about acting it all out. But my point was once upon a time that Daredevil and Spider-Man have this completely unseparatable relationship. Daredevil even managed to appear in the pages of a Spider-Man title during the era of Born Again. Like, oh, shit. Yeah, they've had a number of minis together of you know one shots together there have been times where spider-man is like no if daredevil's here it's gonna be okay and like it's such a moment you know what i mean what's spider-man doing during devil's reign standing standing by daredevil where he belongs it's like get because they had they had a falling out like and it was like yeah and and peter was like if you step out of line again and matt was like i won't and then like later on pete was like do you need someone? And Matt was like, oh, <laughs> oh no, I'm not going to last through reading those, am I? <laughs> the, the like so incredibly a study of what makes these characters rich. And I'm so glad that you asked about Devil's Reign because the truth is so much of where Daredevil is right now must be generated to interact with where the MCU is headed, right? Because they never do anything by accident as everybody speculates that the thunderbolts are building up in the mcu all of a sudden brilliant writer gets a brilliant team of incredibly diverse heroes some of whom you're going to be able to recognize from the tv shows and the movies and it's suddenly the new thunderbolts and it's out of nowhere and it's such a but that's even the point like the synergy is there right so it's even kind of funny because there's accidental synergy, right? Mm. In what we're doing. We are also on our partner show covering Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, one through five. And it's a personal favorite of mine. I'm such a big Kate Bishop guy. It's, you know, she's, she's just flawless. Like if you're asking me to name like the most perfect female heroes of all time, it's like Wonder Woman, Kate Bishop, Rhoda. And so I feel very positively when Marvel gives her a book, right? Uh, and by that, I mean Kate Bishop, not Rhoda. And so um, the Kate Bishop series has her facing off against one of the circuses of crime. Oh, is that what, are we dealing with that right here? Is this a circus of crime or is this just the ringmaster? So here's here's where I'm gonna go with that. You know, when Marvel has a good name and a good property, right? They're not afraid to overutilize it to a defeating point because one of the things that as i adjust my deadpool hat one of the things that that allows them to do is then they just don't reprint what didn't work that didn't work okay it's gone they relaunched the punisher four times in like five years one time as god's punishing angel and that didn't work so 
Garth Ennis, who is like the grittiest motherfucker. Like when you like most um, Garth Ennis comics come with a scratch and sniff testicle scent. You know what I mean? So um, when Garth Ennis took over Punisher a month later, he was just like, yeah, that angel shit not ever coming up again. And they just moved on. People uh. didn't know that, uh, the Punisher temporarily became a Frankenstein monster in the sewers of New York. Frankencastle just never comes up anymore. So you're saying that, like, yes, this might be a circus of crime, but the one in Kate Bishop is a different circus of crime. Because it's a good name. Think of it like the Yankees, right? The Yankees that played in 1956 are certainly not the same Bronx Bombers that are playing in 2022. Yeah, no kidding. If they are, <laughs> if they are, I want to know what kind of HGH those well, You say that, but like in comics, like it's still Matt Murdock. It's not like we've gone to Matt Murdock IV. Yeah, but that's, there's like a difference between good guys and bad guys, oh, unless you're like, really? Like, yeah, unless you're like, the how many? So we're on like Victor Von Doom part five right now? No, no. If you're like the bad guy. <laughs> If you're like the bad guy, I'm like gesturing so hard my headphones are gonna fly out. <laughs> but like, if you're that dude, if you're like, you know, there's no other Magnetos running around. Like, I didn't just open up a recent issue and they recently introduced a Mexican Magneto named Magneto Sanchez. Like, it's not where they're going in that direction. But also, like, what if we just chose a different genocide for Magneto to have come from? Kind of. Kind like, of, but also, like, let's not, like, remove one of the few, like, really great Jew- Jewish, like, representations within these fields, et cetera, I, et cetera. I completely <laughs> agree. But, like, they just update wars. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, like, they, they, that's, that's this kind of the danger of the sort of balance of the, the, the comic reading experience, right? So what's so strange to talk about is there's kind of no way that we can look at this kind of Spider-Man issue as exemplary of an average Spider-Man issue, right? Because the average Spider-Man issue puts a lot more focus on the bad guy and Mm -hmm. like, you know, the the Stan Lee style of, you know, eight pages setting it up, you know what I mean? And I would imagine that, you know, Spider-Man has anything in his personal life happening and this issue did not have room for that. It did not. I needed Nico to like walk me through who these women that he's not seeing are. Because like his aunt's all like, Mary Jane. And he's like, no, I have a girlfriend. I was like, okay, so Gwen Stacy's still alive. Good call. And then they're like, but what about this blonde bitch? And I'm like, isn't he 16? Why is this woman at the at the newspaper flirting with him? Like what? And it's just like, no, he just gets a redhead, a brunette and a blonde. He doesn't have time for any of them. I love that you said Getza, though. Like right, because like that's that's the thing with these nerds. They just get <laughs> girls. They just get girls in these, and you're just like, you're like, why are you paying attention to him? He's blowing you off. He has a girlfriend. Why are you all like, oh Peter, tell me about how you get these photos? And I'm just like, no, bro, no. Get some self respect head on down to the cubby hole and you know start making out with girls instead of whatever this kid is 
I have such a weird relate. I love that we're having so much trouble talking about the Spider-Man of this because like, it's not Daredevil. You know what I mean? I know. In a lot of ways, this is like an annual or it's assistant editor's month or it's a fill-in. You know what I mean? It's a drawer issue. I'm super about it. But But, like, like, it's not a drawer issue though, apparently. It's like important. It is. It's like, it's such a bonding moment for these two. And I think it is so well executed through the interplay, right? Let's, let's, toe into the circus for a moment shall we here's the thing about this issue that very works for me spider-man and daredevil have the same fighting style at this point they have the same body type they will soon have the same primary color they will soon have the same primary accent color because even though the blue is very predominant i think the black frequently overtakes the blue you know what i mean they are very quickly approaching being beautiful mirrors of the same man at kind of different points of his life, you know, bound by responsibility, the loss of a male figure, never really close with your birth mother, but had loving people to take care of you. Cause like, look, look, I'm a stick apologist. I, well, I know, I know, I know. I think I mean, stick did the best he could. Okay. I give it up for the nuns. The nuns mean everything to me. But so yeah, know. no, I hear you. I hear you. That Spider Man is very much who. Matt, if Matt hadn't been so like, I gotta study. I gotta make sure my dad thinks I'm a good kid. Like if Matt had been given the room to like slip out his window at night while he was all like a jacked up sixteen year old, he would have turned into Spider Man. Yeah, he sees himself, and it kind of okay. I'm without seeing himself. Or him, really. Well, I mean, but to thwip, thwip onto your point for a moment. Mm. Okay. Spider-Man manages to be a success where Daredevil in a similar situation falters despite a higher degree of expectation. Like, there is no young Daredevil Chronicles. I have never been given the opportunity by Marvel to write a book about a 16-year-old Daredevil just cruising the streets of Hell's Kitchen. How is this? You're telling me this is what hasn't happened? That we've done everything else that you could do to a sad little Catholic guy with no eyesight, and we haven't had, you know, daredevil babies. We're just like, wow. Especially because they keep de-aging when he gets hit. Well, part of the problem is he doesn't meet Lester or Wilson until, like, 130 and, like, 180 in his original run. So, like, they're just not there. Right, but like he could be punching up other things. Agreed. No, I'm with you. I don't know why we don't have this, right? But so I kind of even think then that's that's even more my point is the reason that Daredevil was not more personally successful, whereas Spider-Man was, is because Spider-Man, I feel so bad saying this, owes a lot to Norman Osborn because without Harry, I don't, if Harry had been Foggy, there is no way Peter could have pulled any of this off. And if Foggy had been Harry, imagine what Daredevil could be right now. Like, not, I'm not coming after my precious Foggy, but Foggy is not a caretaker. Right. And that's, I think that's a huge difference, you know, like, and they couldn't have known it here. They couldn't have known it here. But like, it's amazing the contextual level of it. I might also need an offline 
debrief on whether or not Harry Oswald is as he is in which movie. No movie has gotten my poor Harry right. Okay, all right, all right. Because there's two very different ones, and I feel like... Oh, no, well, no. no okay. we, don't, we don't have an Oscorp. Well, in... no, and like, I wasn't even putting one in, in, the, in the Holland verse. I was specifically somehow counting it as two different Green Goblins. Like, in my head, I'm like, it's like two different Normans. So it's like there's, oh, no, it's the same Norman. Oh, and it wasn't even Harry. Okay. Because, I mean, they're not, no one's, no one's calling James Franco to be in a Marvel movie anytime soon. Why? We let other people. So, here's my question for you. Okay. The ultimate crux of this issue is a question of control. Right? Mm-hmm. So there's not a lot going on in this issue that couldn't be boiled down in a four-page story. Guys show up, they go to the circus, bad guy wants to take over circus, fight bad guy, get possessed by bad guy, break free of possession, nearly die. Like Tori and I in our comic, you know, storytelling days, we've told this in about four pages. Like yep. I'm not saying that this is decompressed even. I'm saying it's a specific stylized choice for narrative pacing. And because of that, There isn't a huge wealth outside of the textual levels, but it does lead me to something that is at the heart of every Daredevil story, and in many ways, a lot of the Spider-Man story. The precious commodity of joy fighting through this heaviness of responsibility, right, is an overwhelming factor in these heroes' lives, and the villains that most compel Daredevil the villains that push him the furthest most frequently are the villains that subvert his ability to control his own emotions, whether mm. it's Purple Man, Mr. Fear, who, you know, is no great favorite of mine historically. I think Mr. Fear is way too on the nose to be a daredevil villain any day of the week. But I do think there is something to be said about teaming these two guys up when the preservation of identity is so central to spider-man and daredevil like even if tony stark's armor you know if tony stark gets possessed i'm pretty sure he has stuff built into his armor to stop him you know what i mean oh god deadly weapon in the hands of a bad guy now oh no but like outside of axis where you know tony stark got his polarity flipped by magic there's you know what i mean so i feel like there is something to be said about the contextual element of hypnosis for me I think it, it's so interesting to have this so back to back with the purple man because they are specifically both hypnosis ideas. And in the purple man, he's uh, Matt specifically says uh, it's not visual what's going on. And then in yeah. this one, we get a visual. So it's like, not only is Matt able to like, I, I kind of wonder if this one was supposed to come out before daredevil four but it doesn't quite make sense because like, it, it's just such an, such an interesting choice to show Matt get proving the, like the more wild hypnotism he's, he's not bothered by. And then to just go back to regular hypnotism and be like, yeah, he's also not bothered by this. And you're like, well, yeah, we like, we, we figured. Um, it's just so, it's, it's an interesting choice to put, put them back to back and in kind of a backwards way when it has to deal with that. Um, it so. makes 
it makes you sound even smarter because of something you didn't even say on the air earlier when we were talking and we were talking about setting up issue five and stuff you highlighted how it feels in many ways like issue five represents a specific demarcation point of change in daredevil as a character and daredevil's life and his personality perhaps this was meant to go earlier mm. but in terms of creating a blocking narrative kind of like a right mm -hmm. it could make more sense to put this after purple man mm -hmm. and kind of break that up a bit more because in that way we're just going to call this episode you know daredevil 4.5 yeah yeah because it, it really it has some of those same themes on like how everyone works out and how we get past this and all of this stuff but then at the same time like it sort of pushes it both pushes things forward on some of the daredevil plots and also doesn't yeah. like you don't have to know what happened in this one to keep everything fine but if you do know what happened you can see why there's such a huge shift between where the love triangle is in daredevil 4 and where the love triangle ends up in daredevil 5 which is like amped yeah. way up way. um so I'd like to give it up to our lovely illustrator, Steve Ditko, for going to have all of the acrobatic fun in this one, yeah. just like all of it. Um, I really, I, I do feel bad for him though, because like webbing is such a bitch to draw, especially like complicated network. Where it has to net name and stuff. Yeah. yeah, and you're just like, like, I've done it, it sucks drawing your own fishnets is no fun but like i think that this is just a really fun it's like a fun light-hearted piece that is very fascinating to look at because we're looking at it through the daredevil lens yeah and so like as a spider-man story i'm sure it's pretty run a little bit run of the mill but like as a daredevil story it's a little bit like this is this is interesting it's a shock kind it's of. a shock and it's also it's one of those things where like you can feel from the beginning that this isn't daredevil's story but we do spend a lot of time in daredevil's head so like it's a little bit of the why are we switching narrators throughout this whole thing and i feel like they lavished daredevil with time at the very beginning in mm -hmm. a way that made it almost like if you don't know who Daredevil is, check out this cool cat. And I just kind of want to be like, where the fuck is this guy in Daredevil? Like, yes, this is a very cool Matt Murdock. He's very, Steve Ditko's Matt Murdock is a, I, he listens to jazz. Yes, he's a hep cat. He's a hep cat. In an unironic way, like not in a yeah. white person discovered Coltrane way. Like it's yeah. real good, right? This is a guy, this is a guy who will head up to Harlem and he fucks. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I love how hard this bangs because mm -hmm. one of the things about making Daredevil cool here is it paves the way for cool Daredevil later on. Like it's sort of that thing where people probably remember moments from things better than they remember the reality of things. And, you know, I'm going to use two examples from Buffy the Vampire Slayer just as a, a common point, but people love to point out how Oz is so quiet and Oz doesn't speak much, but if you actually watch it, 
Oz has like a moment like that every fucking episode at a certain point where he's actually having many more poignant moments than the characters that are being credited with all the poignant moments because they're using that surprise trope. They're using that moment of, and it's coming from him, so it's more powerful. And that's a trick they use from having introduced him so quiet and using him so sparingly. Conversely, when Angel shows up on Buffy, with very few exceptions, like once he starts appearing later on, mm-hmm. or Buffy starts appearing later on, the characters are much more polished. You put your best foot forward in a crossover moment, right? And I feel like there's a sort of sense of every time Angel showed up on Buffy, it was very, it's do or die right now. Right. And yeah. I remember uh, I was watching some interview for something where everyone, where the even the Marvel here uh, actors have talked about when they do the big ones where they're all together, they're not actually playing them the characters. They're really playing like the archetype of the character because you just don't have time or the ability to add on like your fifteen nuances. Yeah, and it's why like Tony Stark comes across super fucking weird in Civil War, but then again. So does Steve Rogers. Like they come off as very extreme versions of themselves, which they have to be for it to work. But then like you come back to them in a later movie and you're like, well, what happened to the asshole who said, you know, I would need you to kill your best friend because he killed my parents kind of thing. And that's kind of like um, the humorous folly of She-Hulk and Deadpool. Right. So Deadpool and She-Hulk and Dupe and uh, they're all Dupe's one of my favorites. He's a green floating blob. Um, They're all fourth wall breaking characters Mm -hmm. who when they appear in their own thing, that is all they do. They're constantly going, can you believe this? I would never have been able to do this with the comics code. right back to the adventure. Um, they don't do that when Deadpool's an X-Force. They don't do that when, I mean, as a rule, it happens, but you know, when when Jen Walters is a regular member of the Fantastic Four, she doesn't get as many fourth wall breaking moments because you don't have the precious commodity of shared space. And so for all the ways that we're supposed to be talking about this issue of Spider-Man, we kind of are, because that's perhaps why this issue has stood the test of time, has been reprinted three times, because this Spider-Man issue really does do a beautiful job blending and capturing the elements of Spider-Man and Daredevil that need to exist on the page. The problem is, if we did want to talk about some of the more nuanced elements, there are some weird inconsistencies why the hypnosis worked on this page and then not this page, but then again on this page and not on this page. You know, there's some silly inconsistencies, but... I would rather treat them as an element of a medium getting its footing. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather enjoy what this book represents to the bigger picture of the narrative Marvel comic universe. If it weren't for this issue, Charlie Cox never would have appeared in No Way Home. And that is one of the most defining moments of my year. Sorry, I'm just a little... I was, I was really happy when that moment happened. Anyway, um, 
right it's right it's it's why when people were suddenly like yeah they cut they cut a bunch of like matt murdoch stuff out of hawkeye like i almost threw my phone across the room and i was like you better be fucking lying to me because i'm not gonna be able to handle this um i really dig uh how kind of quickly we get into things as they go like there's a really sweet little meet cute moment for Spider-Man and Daredevil. And then like we clean, we zip away really quickly. So into Daredevil time, like you mentioned, and then we set up the circus bit. Um, and then we go to that circus and there's just a bunch of goons flying around and we get Jay Jonah. Like, I feel like we hit all of like the major points really, really quickly in the first eight pages. And then it's like, all right, now we're going to go to the circus. And that's when all of like the fun's going to happen. So like, they really just like punch out everything that it's going to take you to get there. Then you're like, Oh, okay. And it's Jimboree for like, yeah. 16 pages. Yeah. And like, I, I I wrote down this circus of crime seems to be filled with crime clowns because they're bad at what they do. Yeah, they're not good. They're not good. It is specifically a conversation that I get into with um, old men at the gym, right? When old men at the gym come up to me and they're like, you know, for the most part, yeah, I haven't read comics since the. Oh, I guess I bought my last book. Because you're wearing, you're wearing something. Uh huh. Okay. I'm always in comic gear at okay. the gym. Because I'm, I'm like, always... so these old men just like bother you with their ball sweat, like. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> uh, my gym is very friendly. I go to a very community uh, vibe kind of gym. Everybody takes care of everybody. When somebody doesn't come for two or three days at the normal time, you're like, "Where's Gary?" So like, you know, it's a thing, right? Uh-huh. And I'm always in one of my, you know. Captain America Under Armors or a Hulk tank top, you know, something. And everyone's like, you, you, you see these movies? You uh, you read these books still? You, uh, yeah, I haven't read one since like 1983, you know. That's and my dad. I remember, I, you know, the doctor, uh, the, the Mr. Doom, the Mr. 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 Doctor would have a, uh, have fantastic stretcho uh, <laughs> on the, on the, the rack and would be uh, lecturing him uh, aggressively, you know, uh, I'll kill you and take your wife. And he uh, ultimately, I don't know what Grunkle Stan is delivering. It's just Gravity Falls. It's just drunk Grunkle Stan the whole way through, right? But he's like, you know, it's wild. Uh, Doom is lecturing that uh, Stretch Old Fantast gets uh, gets away, and uh, you know, and I'm like, yeah, no, that has not been comics since like 1971, right? Um, I like the attempt, right? Yeah. I feel like at the heart of it, right? All said and done. I really scratched my voice. I'm doing that impression. You did? That's why I'm crying. (laughs) Funny. Um, No, but in all seriousness, (laughs) the thing about it is the silly 14 pages of back and forth with the circus of crime is an element of a foregone time that when we look back on it this is not the issue i would sell spider-man and daredevil with right like every now and then when somebody's like oh you've got to go back to the classic silver age and i'm like for people for whom that is appropriate absolutely if i'm sitting down a 60 year old guy yeah why don't you look at this but if i want to get like a 21 year old 
who asks me on Twitter, hey, I want to start reading Daredevil. I see that you post about him a lot. You know, what can you tell a 21-year-old non-binary person who loves Daredevil and has seen some Marvel movies? Well, if I'm like, well, do you love Spider-Man? Great. Don't go read this. That's bad. Read Devil's Reign, where you can get Spidey and Daredevil now. Read one of the several Daredevil Spider-Man miniseries. So I think positive on the issue, happy it exists, glad for what it did, glad we covered it, even though we didn't, and, um, but don't, don't think anybody else really needs to go out and read this. Ever. I mean, I, I think, I think this is definitely not something that you should read to, like, find out if if you're like if you're like I love Spider-Man and I enjoy when Daredevil shows up in it, let me go back to their first meeting. My response would be like, okay, but maybe follow it up with something like in the Frank Miller run. Oh, well, <laughs> like, the, um, oh, how have we not gone there? The uh, the the Omega Drive, the Mark Wade Spider-Man Daredevil Punisher crossover, or the Incredible Black Cat Spider-Man Daredevil two-parter or the uh, team up with uh, Superior Spider-Man in Wade's run. I'm gonna just keep naming Wade stuff, but like, you know, it's there. Yeah, like there's so, so much more to do than just, than this one. And I mean, it's so interesting because like, we are gonna come up against some some issues in Daredevil where we're like, don't read this because it is offensive. Um, this is just uh, like, this is just like mediocre. <laughs> Um, but I mean, it's like, it's super interesting for me because like we have this panel where there's this like half face of Spider-Man on, on Peter Parker's face. And I'm just like, what a great way to like showcase that he's thinking using his Spider-Man thoughts, uh, because, you know, not everyone can have like a giant horn shadow following them around for the drama of it all. You know, we get. Jay Jonah Jameson has been this way since the dawn of time, I guess. Like we get like all of these things that are very much like touch points of, of Spider-Man. So like, it is also a great way to introduce Spider-Man. It's just that you sort of have to like put on the cap of like, it's the (laughs) sixties. Like it's going to get weird. And ultimately I think I wish this was just a little shorter. You know, it's one of the things that like sitcoms do so beautifully. They they put it on fast forward just a little bit and they cut the jokes that don't work. And yeah. watch the unedited, right? But maybe- I definitely feel like this should have had like four pages of just Spider-Man plot before it of like either tying something up or like day in the life of like Peter Parker dating his girlfriend and then Aunt May being like, but what about MJ? And him being like, quit putting me on blind dates. And then he goes and he rescues Daredevil. And then you get 14 pages of the two of them. And it's much more compact, much easier to swallow. And like, I just, I feel like that is probably where it wants to be. I mean, if we tried to do this now, like this whole thing would be a completely different beast. And I can't decide if they would stretch the whole thing out into like four issues or if they would like slam it into like, and here's the two and a half pages of Daredevil in here. 
I was literally going to say it's either going to be a four-page story or a yep. hundred-page story. Yeah, there's no in between. There's nothing else. No, and that's even kind of the narrative that that's kind of happened. There's a Spider-Man Daredevil one-shot and a Spider-Man Daredevil four-part mini. Like you know, it's where the industry is. And mm-hmm. one of the things I love about you know Infinite Comics is perhaps there's ways to revisit some of these classic stories with a little bit more luxe, right? You know, they're doing that for Wolverine right now, celebrating life of Wolverine. I wouldn't hate, you know, Ages of Daredevil and um, maybe just put a little polish on a character that was filled with love and creators that wanted to work on him and creators that wanted to put in the effort but didn't always have the emotional means to create the sort of dexterous work that was in their heart. Hmm. So I guess on that harrowingly honest note about our heroes and their failings. This is I mean, really- <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's, here's, I mean, I think the only thing that like we didn't really get into is that it, it feels like this is the first person to speak to sense that spider-man is a kid yeah is is that the first time that like someone's come close to figuring out that spider-man is not a man man i'd have to know you know i'd have to do a little bit more research you know my my early spider history gets pretty muddy with later spider revisionism Mm. like if it weren't for the fact that daredevil's whole origin is so thoroughly documented throughout the journey and that is his entire childhood is either in the five issues of man without fear or the bits of the six issues of yellow um you know there's not a lot of places to look you can look at daredevil season one graphic novel you can take a look at daredevil number one i think in like the 150s there's a, a retelling of the origin I think there's a oh yeah annuals right so like there's not as much daredevil to parse is what we were saying there's no young matt murdoch chronicles you know what i mean mm-hmm. um but like i really loved nick bradshaw did a book called spidey a couple of years ago where he told more kids spider-man stories and i would hate to give you an answer that's equal parts that the untold tales of spider-man actual spider-man the movies the animated series and also i have fever dreams so, <laughs> I hate Spider misleading because everything in this episode has been 100% on Spider brand, 1000% accurate, and at no point did we fail to talk about the Spider Man Daredevil connection as listed in the abstract document. Wait, but we did forget one thing, and that is Amazing Spider Man number 18. Oh, they're going to say Karen's fabulous hair that doesn't get well, well, okay, so Karen's hair looks great. <laughs> Girl got an upgrade. She got an updo. Sue Storm is out there going, you know, her hair looks good. So A plus, go go Steve Ditko. Thank you for the fashion. <laughs> but like, uh just heads, 18, 18 heads, 18 heads in a duffel bag. I mean, also like Steve Ditko really knows how to draw hypnotized creepy eyes on the crowd, because like that is some freaky freaky look blank looks in their faces so so okay amazing spider-man 18 
you know, we've got five seconds left. I think we can cover it. <laughs> okay, look, let me tell you, Amazing Spider-Man number 18. Nico says to me, he says, it, he's on two pages. It's going to be super easy. You're not going to have to do like any of this. Don't worry about it. I open it up and there's Daredevil on one page. Now, when he says one page, my brain is like, he's like at a microphone. Like you get at least like head to like hip action, horns to hips. No, he is like a floating head that is like, I am disappointed amongst others giving I am disappoint because I guess like in 17 Spider-Man did something super shitty or whatever and then his second appearance on a page and you're still thinking you're like okay like maybe like he's like swings by and is like I'm still disappoint or whatever (laughs) no he doesn't even say anything it's just his head super tiny amongst other heads that are super tiny and I'm just like this is such a like product placement to be for people to be like, I don't know that yellow one. And so like, for me, <laughs> like, like Nico, Nico set the bar of disappointment, like roll, roll law. And somehow that was just squirt under even that. And like, normally like Nico talks in hyperbole. So you always like put like five grains of salt in there, but like, no, he was not wrong. Anyway, Nico, what were your thoughts? I mean, <laughs> it's a great way to lend credibility to a character. You, uh, to, to whose character? The other character. Because like now Daredevil's so fat, Daredevil's so flossy, he showed up in Spider-Man. That's that's super glamorous. I mean, I guess I guess it's one of those like now he's surrounded, but now that you've you've made it so that Spider-Man thinks of him in the same like a- area zone as like Captain America. Like we're all supposed to be like, oh, he's in like an echelon above now. And now like Spider-Man outsold Daredevil. So people saw him and might go up to the newsstand guy. Hey, mister, I'm going to be a cranky old man at a gym someday. And I want to know about these characters so I can lecture people offensively when they're trying to do their squats in peace. And um you know so i just want to be left alone to squat (laughs) it's okay i get those conversations over dinner on sundays so like 50 50 on who's got it worse right there um so yeah so um definitely do not feel like if you need to complete your daredevil work that you need to get yourself your hands on a real physical copy of 18 trust me you ain't missing much no and you know, so, okay, it's kind of like this for me, right? Having Daredevil appear in Amazing Spider-Man upgrades Daredevil. Oh, yeah. But Huge. The real thing it does is it updates the style guide. Now, there's a Ditko-style Daredevil head that you can trace whenever you need if you're in the bullpen. Oh, yeah, and I guess I mean, that makes sense. Image. Mm-hmm. And somebody's got to do the in-house ads and somebody's got to ink it the way Steve wants it. And you want to fill your book up. How many fucking times can you put Peter Parker's fucking face? He's not even hot yet. So like, I, you know, how many times can you put this fucking kid's face? It's creepy. Draw something else. But like, I don't want to look at J. Jonah Jameson. 
So, like, he's not hot yet either. So, like, you know, he gets hot. Oh, no. Jay Jonah, like, you know. All right. Cool. I can't wait. It, it could happen. Right. So, I mean, the problem is not, it's not a problem, but there are artists that draw everybody like a super fucking hot underwear. Yeah, I know. We just did those Spider-Man Infinite comics. I saw us all staring at them glutes. Right? So, like, it's just there's some people that can't get drawn. Like, there's just some people that can't get drawn Ugo, and there's some people that can't draw Ugo. So every now and then there's a real nice cross-section in between. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, all said and done, Amazing Spider-Man 18 ups Daredevil's value, doesn't really hurt Spider-Man's value. It kind of didn't do anything for our value but you know it gave us something nice to blend in with uh you know 16 get a nice churn going yeah there's a it's a nice little piece of parsley on there yeah it you know in a in an omnibus edition there'd be a little box that shows the two little heads right it would be cute (laughs) i do believe on that note we are officially out of web fluid you know, it's not something we can help. We don't. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely gone dry. Yeah. So I guess until we're ready to somehow the matador isn't the most offensive bit of 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 cultural rep. I, I it starts and it's it's like it's you know when it's folks we're gonna have a lot of fun talking about it and we're going to be doing it in the next 30 minutes because we only have so many hours in our weeks to record these. So we're doing a double today. Uh, But (laughs) get ready for uh, apologism towards the writing of the Matador when we shouldn't be, but we're gonna, because we know what's coming up. Well, so until then, I'm Nico, and you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And I'm Tori. You can find me on Twitter at Tori underscore Sheehan and on Instagram at SM Tori. That's Tori with an I. And until next time, stay fearless. Stay fearless, everybody. Twip. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Billy Club. The show we take a look at the final adventures of Marvel's yellow-bellied fear man. Wait, no, 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 he has one more. He's got one more. The penultimate adventures of Marvel's yellow-bellied fear man. <laughs> Which, of course, makes me Nico. And you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nico Action. It's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N, as well as over on X's for Podcast. I'm Tori Sheehan. You can find me on Twitter at Tori underscore Sheehan and on Instagram at SM Tori. That's Tori with an I. We are here to discuss a a truly unforgettable issue of of Daredevil. And, you know, before we can even really get into Daredevil number five, Daredevil versus the Matador, I just need to say that Matador really isn't a villain anymore. Like really, yeah. The last major Matador event I can remember was two thousand and seven. 
I mean, is this because we don't do as many bull things or is this like the slow evolution of interesting villains into antiheroes? I think it's a little bit that we don't actively seek to create new versions of culturally offensive characters. Mm. We occasionally, far too frequently, problematically hold on to really difficult to justify ones, but we don't really have any version of the Matador where everybody's like, do you remember where you were when you opened the book and saw the Matador? Like, I mean, we have stilt men, but we don't have Matador. Matadores. So... I just want to start with, there's not that many adventures of this horrible character for us to get through. I think also just because, like, I don't really get what he, like, what makes him so special beyond the fact that, like, he's quick, I guess. He's a matador. He's apparently a pretty decent one. Yeah. Um, And he's just, like, good with a cape, I guess. Yeah, I like guess. he doesn't have hypnotism. He doesn't have particular strength or speed or... Now, I have to question if maybe that's a little bit what we're kind of still facing in this early era of Daredevil, the man without focus. Mm. Because, you know, early on, issue one, he fights a crime boss. And, you know, the hardest part for me is every version of that story that somehow ultimately involves the kingpin and Electra and the owl, they just make it so much better. But so, you know, we've got the fixer and then it's a borrowed villain. It's Electro. And then it's purple man and it's owl and it's a borrowed villain in the circus of crime. And then it's the crime that daredevil only appears as two heads in that issue of Spider-Man. I made you read the worst crime, worst crime, worst crime ever. Crime spree. (laughs) So, I feel like this is still kind of like no one knows how to fight Daredevil. Like it makes me think like they're they're like, of course we have to come up with hero with with villains. And they're just like, we have to take from the bottom of the list because we don't know if the sales of Daredevil are that good yet. And so like you get it's one of those things where probably someone was like, in the first 10 issues, you will have two like a list kind of a b list kind of villains and the rest are just going to be ones we already have or a couple of new ones that mean nothing and maybe we'll strike something but probably won't and you know we're still in an era where and like i we're still in an era where that guy wears a big robot suit iron man and you know that villain of the x-men He's just going to be a real big guy. We're going to call him the blob. And like, you know, we're still, you know, Mr. Fear. Like, you know, we're still in very Excelsior days. So I think, you know, just add a little bit of context here. If you take a look at the uh, last page of the Omnibus edition, or if you're just fucking like living that nachos life and your Electra back in these days and you're printing money, right? Her dad might've actually printed money at one point, who knows? The back page tells us that also published the same month as Daredevil number five was Fantastic Four 34, Spider-Man 20, Avengers 11, Thor 111, Strange Tales 128, Tales of Suspense 61, Tales 2 Astonish 63, 
And those two were just listed as suspense and astonish. So I'm just kind of like, oh, eponymous, just like one name, just like self-titled, just like mm-hmm. so known. Right. And then Sergeant Fury, for those who didn't realize, before Jim Steranko came in and said, you have never seen a cover like this. And of course, the most famous Jim Steranko, Nick Fury agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. cover is actually the cover of the issue that's the reprint that doesn't contain his original art inside. So actually that cover is the only part of the issue he did. Fucking fascinating. But so this is still back in the days before that when he's Sergeant Fury. Good for him. He got a promotion. Yeah, big time. Oh, God. So cool. and looks so good. I bet. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, like we're number five and everyone else is like at least 20 issues in. And Thor is 111 issues in. So that means he's almost like 10 years of this guy. uh, More like the same amount as, say, Fantastic Four. So... What had happened at one point to Marvel in time was that Marvel was in a position where they could only print so many books because DC owned the physical printer. So they did a lot of Tales to Astonish and a lot of Tales of Suspense and a lot of Journey into Mystery. And when one thing really took over as the popular story, that's what the book became over time. So I'm pretty oh, sure Tales Journey, of Suspense. Journey, yeah, Journey into Mystery. Into Thor, right. It? Tales of Suspense, I believe, turns into Iron Man. Tales to Astonish. I want to say Tales to Astonish contained Ant-Man, but I, I, I might be mistaken on that. So it was a little bit unusual that a book like Daredevil or a book like, you know, Uncanny X-Men got that kind of push. When you think about the books that got it, it was Avengers, who, while it didn't debut with Captain America, it had a number of other established characters. And then Cap came in a little bit down the line. You had Spider-Man, who was already proven and popular. You know, Fantastic Four, the whole thing was built around them. But, you know, giving someone like Daredevil or the X-Men, like these nobodies who, how do you sell that? You know, it was really bold. And so it kind of makes sense that Daredevil's lagging a little bit. That's fair. That's fair. Um, But does it have to lag so far into like weird, culturally insensitive villains? (sighs) (laughs) You know, we really missed a great pun in this where like, I, of like, I mean, I think they kind of show it where Dev- Daredevil and his horns are is charging at the cape, but I feel like we could have gotten a lot more like Matador oh. grabbing him by the horns kind of stuff. I'm sh- shocked that we did not get more of that. Okay, so you know what? To jump in a little bit, I want to say that right off the bat, I fucking loved the end media res beginning of this issue. Matador, Matador, they're all talking about the Matador in a in an alternate universe, I feel like a really cool way to do this would have been to make the issue cover a newspaper headline about the Matador, and then the interiors be everything starting with like you know Daredevil looking at that paper and being like, ah, this fucking That's guy. Like a today kind of version of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm also very fascinated that the letterer does not get a credit in this one. I presume it's our friend at Sam Rosen. I mean, it's got to be. I think part of what happens is sometimes when you've got Stanley and Wally Wood 
you know, when even the cover says Daredevil reaches new heights under the pen of Wally Wood, it really creates an air that no one else kind of matters. Like, I can't imagine that now quite the same way if it's like a big return shore but like these young guys were nobodies in so many ways you know what i mean the comics weren't a real thing yet but to that end i have a letter that i am going to read from the letters page of this book that uh yeah comics the 60s were hard yeah they were yeah they were (laughs) so You know, one of the things that I noticed is that because we're told the Matador is already such a villain, when he shows up and sucks, I'm like, why do you have to suck so bad, dude? I mean, apparently he got, he lost one of his last fights. So like, is apparently not as good as he thinks he is. I don't know. Is, is, I guess maybe... You know, it's so interesting. I want to provide more metaphors into this, but sometimes I just have to remember, like, this is just what the plot has to be. But, like, the fact that both Daredevil and Matador sort of don't rock their first appearances as well as they should is an interesting parallel for these two, I guess. And the idea that they both use red as a way of disguising who they are in a really obvious way because they're both technically still doing their job There's like, there's a lot of layers to it, but there's not a lot of layers to the Matador Mm. in a kind of distressing way. Like he really is as good as cultural appropriation of a costume. And it's, it's troubling because I also find some of like, this is a little bit, I'm going to launch an engine at, at you with a tire logic still. Yep. Because it's a little bit, a red cape, I don't know how to drive anymore. I literally, and like also like the fact that Matt gets so fucked up by the red cape, I was like, you can hear heartbeats. You know where he is. Yeah. Like what is, what is going on? Plot, plot is what's going on. This is the first issue where I thought to myself, this took way too long because we start in media res and Daredevil's first, this is one of, this reads like an episode of Batman from the 60s with how much happens. The good guy and the bad guy fight so many times. There's something real over the top to this issue that I don't think really, you know, by the time Foggy's like, hey, Matt, do me a favor, bang Karen for me. Uh, By the time that whole exchange happens, Mm -hmm. I'm actually kind of already sour on Matt. Matt, like, is, like, almost behaving like Karen. Matador. Matador. I can't get him out of my head. There's a lot of this. And I feel like... Because the last time we saw him right before this was... It was Purple Man. It's Circus the Fear. It's Matador. And then next is going to be Mr. Fear. These are, are like, five in a row of psychological... Mm. Uh, villains for daredevil so like there is a part of me that's like if we were seeing this series today there would be an underlying arc throughout of matt getting home at night and being like it's been four dudes in a row and i'm fucking up and what's wrong with me like why am i like this Blah 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 and instead it's just like every time he's like well this is new and we're like 
Is it though? Is it? Because you don't is seem it? to remember anything that happened. Like this is at an era of continuity where Marvel is more likely to reference another book in this book than they are to reference this book in this book. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's very, it's very interesting. And it also, I think, touches on the fact that I imagine that because of the publishing schedule, that means that these issues, it's not that they're like working like eight, like, you know, eight issues ahead because they have the time. I think it's literally that they're not thinking about it until it's time for another one and so i I think it's a lot more disjointed like stan lee's like i've done five four spider-mans in the meantime and we're doing one of these now like you can't quite remember what's been going on beforehand yeah i completely get that especially when like they had the copies they had if they lost that copy they had to hope they had another way to get it Mm -hmm. and you know the the exchange between Foggy and Karen and Matt, it's kind of as stilted as the exchanges Matt has with Matador. The fight really doesn't go anywhere that... It doesn't go anywhere. It goes to the logical conclusion. And yeah. I sort of feel like we didn't need Foggy being like, Matt, take her. Yeah. That's... How does I, that layer just reads weird to me? Is there any way it's not weird to read that layer? Well, you see, with the matador in town, Matt, and with him like flinging his cape around, who is he going up against? Daredevil. That makes Daredevil with his horns. The horns are the bull. The bull with the horns is going to put the horns on Foggy with cuckolding by taking Karen in his place to the party. And honestly, that's how we get to Cucks. And I'm very unfortunate that I'm the one talking about Cucks instead of you. It is really unusual that I'm not the one who's like, hey, guys, bull chat here. Like, it's a little unusual. Yeah. Also, Um, like, Karen dropped probably like $120 in 1960s money for this Elizabeth Taylor, like straight up from the movie set outfit. Like, my God. You know, this is in that range of like, everybody's poor except when they're not. (laughs) Like, it's just, it's so fascinating. I do have to give it up for Wally Wood. Hot Matt is back. Hot Matt is very back. He looks Very good. Bad. He looks good. And he looks different from Foggy now, which is yeah. nice. Uh, He's not just guy in a suit anymore. Right, right. And I do have to say, like, there's a lot of there's a lot of detail put into these costumes at the party and like all of these like background characters. Like it's all it all feels very right. You can understand why the Matador was able to just walk in, I guess. Um I also like that it sort of places where we are in this. That was like October 1964, probably. Yeah. Halloween. So it's only really been like, he's been swinging for six months now. So like he's got a little behind him. A little groove. Right. But he, but like, it might also be the sophomore slump of like, do I know what I'm doing? Um, So yeah, I think, I think, I think this is a, I think, after coming off of the circus issue, like we really amped up the love triangle, I think. I think we're spending more time, uh, we're giving a few, a few 
more panels to the love triangle or love parallelogram because to be honest like daredevil is actually now a part of this like it's a separate entity and just um, wait till there's mike i know <laughs> uh also i gotta give it up we've got the double d on his chest now so we've gone up a cup size so and, and don't forget it they're bound to become the two most famous initials in the world as it's the book true. tells us it's true i'm also like Karen's um, not smart in that she she's like, oh my God, there's a horrific uh, stealer and thief, um, killer of men here. You hide in the closet, blind man. I'm going to stay out and watch. Like, that's a choice on her part. And I know it's partially plot so that he can like disrobe and get back in. But like she yep. is... It's a displayed lack of self-preservation. She has a lot of lack of self-preservation. And also, like, I'm reading ahead a little bit. And it feels like whenever someone gets injured, all of a sudden Karen's like, my heart, how it beats for you. And I'm like, girl, you got a lot of issues. And I want to know, like, what Who background hell from... Because I presume Karen's, like, from Ohio and came to the big city kind of deal. Like, doesn't feel like a Manhattan girl. We're going to talk about it. We're going to go there. We're going to see her family. Yeah, so I'm pretty, so like, I don't know what her deal is, but she has a lot of issues, deep issues. You know, and speaking of Karen and deep issues, the Cleopatra costume is like culturally by time less offensive, I guess, than the Matador costume sort of kind of like, you know, it's that joke of it's offensive to be like, look, I am that person of that culture but it's not offensive no i said it backward because it's all offensive it's all offensive it's all offensive but it's that thing where people try and justify it where they're like ah right it's not offensive to um be mario it's offensive to be an italian right like it's it's that thing so i feel like this is cleopatra it's she's different well this is also that it's very obviously like elizabeth taylor's cleopatra Like, it's one thing to be like, I'm dressing as Disney's Pocahontas versus what I think Pocahontas would look like as a 14-year-old girl forced into a marriage against her will. And good thing that that is not going to Marvel. Good good call on Pocahontas controversy there. Good job. Oh, did they cut it? Well... Jason Aaron apologized, and that's what I know from now. He's going to also be uh, putting his pay from that book to uh, charities, and I need to follow up and get more information. But uh, what a silly move in the first place. Good Lord. I saw that image, and I was like, God dang. Um, Silly move. But yeah, definitely, like, the Indian chief in the background of a lot of these party shots is way more offensive than... Karen's Cleopatra outfit, but it's still, you know, sliding scale of things. There's obviously Lawrence of Arabia in here. Ugh, ugh, and, the 60s. You know, but the 60s is also how Matt can blow up the Matador spot being like, oh man, if someone was the Matador, they might want to rob <laughs> the state. You might, also, <laughs> you might see them. It's, wasn't he saying that this is like a nice party? That like, wouldn't this be a party with security who might be like, hey, bro, you're not on the list? You know what? We 
only remember post both World Trade Center bombings. So we we don't know what security was like in New York. The mafia was still around. I feel like somebody <laughs> had a guy at the door. Usually. Somebody knew a Hell's Angel. Somebody, yeah, like, somebody they, somewhere. It's it, they they knew what security was. This wasn't like Giuliani showed up and was like, "Have you heard of locking doors?" <laughs> <laughs> and Koch just out there being like, "Defend yourselves." Also, Foggy's outfit is is also looking very expensive. Yeah, you know, Foggy <laughs> looks so good. He looks good, girl. He looks good in this issue. He looks good enough for Karen to be like, um, for me to be like, okay, Karen, I understand why you've decided this is a decent backup. My notes literally say, damn, Foggy looks good. Uh, Foggy's got thighs. He doesn't skip leg day. Speaking of things that finally didn't get skipped, we got radar sense. We did. Very exciting. Finally, some radar sense. Finally, (sighs) a little bit of what makes Daredevil Daredevil. You know, it's hard to get those sorts of visual cues in early on, especially when the creators, you know, we're back in an age where the creators were like, ah, how did he get his powers? Uh, Radar Tony Devilonium. And that's how he's got a devil radar. It's the radar of Satan. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I want to live in I want to live in a world where someone decided that Daredevil gets his powers from a demon that possesses him the whole time and he just hasn't know it, known it. We'll get to Shadowland. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um I love that these children are bringing back the idea of Daredevil as a sarcastic name because he's so cowardly after dealing with the matador. Um what do you mean? Daredevil got made a laughing stock. Did I? Growing up, my Aunt Debbie did not want us watching violent things. So she would edit down films. She had two two VCR players hooked up Mm -hmm. and she would like pause one and keep recording play. So I didn't know huge parts of films growing up. I thought the first Star Wars movie was like 34 minutes long. So, and like there was one lightsaber scene and it was mostly just on a desert planet till suddenly they were in this weird dark closet where they were fighting with like lightsabers. I was a little confused. She cut all the drinking, all the, it was ridiculous. Anyway. Oh, I know, right? (laughs) 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 So um, I bring this up because sometimes when I would get older, I would be talking to people and they would say, well, you remember that part of that movie? And I would say. This is like when people used to stop Sound of Music after they yeah. got married. Yeah. People would be like, what do you mean E.T. is an hour long? And I'm like, no, E.T. is an hour long. And they're like, you know that that's a much longer movie. And I'm like, no way. And like, so I had all of these memories where I'm like, I don't think we saw the same film. That's how I felt about everybody being like, D.D. got destroyed by the Matador. I'm like, did I just get Aunt Debbie? You just got Aunt Debbie. You did. That's not what I read. I just read them have a bad fight. Yeah. But see, if you have a bad fight, all of a sudden, you're not good at your job. I wish we applied that shit to, like, cops, you know? To anyone. (laughs) 
Everybody's always coming for meteorologists because sometimes they're like, it might rain. I heard the word might, but when the government accidentally wants all the money because of the period got put wrong in TurboTax, you know. Um, How's the taxes going? It, you know, they go, they go especially when you uh, file right away. So good for you. Uh, I also, the kids on the subject of the kids being like, daredevil. <laughs> it's sort of like Matador vaguely beat Daredevil and flipped the polarity of the whole city. And now they all root for the villain. And I'm like, New York's a tough town. Anyone on the Yankees will tell you, New York's a tough town. Yeah. I mean, think about how many shows Sondheim couldn't mount toward the end of the toward the end of his life, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's, yeah. A, it's a mean place when you surround yourself with cute boys, I guess. We all have our we all have our season. Um I love the idea of stealing from a burglar alarm company. Uh they're never gonna have work again. Oh, right? Take down the man <laughs> from within. My goodness. Um So yeah, so much like how I was talking about how like the romance plot and villain plot are blended better together than usual. um, I would also like to talk about the fact that Foggy buys a four and a half carat ring, which is obscene. Obscene. I can't even imagine like, even if it's the worst cut and the worst clarity, I just feel like at four and a half carats, there's some black market kidneys involved in this situation. Like, like there's like this has to be a family ring. Like he has to come from money, but like four and a half carats. Four no, and a half no. carats is like no money yet. That's a celebrity ring. Like a small celebrity ring, but like a celebrity ring. I I'm here for it. Like I mean, good for her. She deserves it. But no, like, I mean like this. I'm so sorry. I'm here for this analysis because I thought, hey, buddy take my girl to this party. I'm going to propose. Do you think I do? Matt, do you think I should propose and then show her the ring? Or Matt, do you think I should bribe her then ask the question when she's weak? Like, I didn't like anything that happened. I mean, it's so interesting because like, the 50s and 60s is when like they really kicked into the idea of like you should be sent spending what is it three months paycheck on your on your ring and so that it's a a a physical understanding of how much you make because she might not know how much you make and they used to have shorter you know courtships I guess back in the day and so like this was a way of saying like I have money. This is what I can do. And so like when he's like, so like, yes, I understand that what he means by bait and hook of just like you show her the ring and then she's like, oh, you're like more loaded than I thought. Uh, And then he can be like, yeah, babe, I can give you the walls and the house and the peaches and cream that you're looking for. Um. So like I get it, but like at the same time, like bro, like if you don't, if if you're, there's so many things wrong with this. I can't even like begin. 
I can't even begin on the foggy side. I can provide like the socioeconomic idea, but like getting into like the actual like foggy, how many dates have you gone on with this girl? One and a half. How many of them do you remember? Because the the major one, the circus one, you don't remember any of it. Right. And, you know, it, there's a, a, a lecherous sense. And like, I understand by a, by a, a zeitgeist, yeah. it was a sense of care. And I am not casting judgments on any relationship built in an era where the cultural zeitgeist was predominantly such that this was appropriate. But we, we live in an era where it's different and yep. where there's expectations of, of propriety. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Foggy's a fucking creep. And like, he's a nice creep. He is the nicest, hey there, Delilah creep ever. But like, he is a hey there, Delilah creep. Yeah. And because here's the thing. He's not going to want you to work at the office once you're married. That's right. not happening. So no. that means they're going to need another secretary. But that one's for Matt. But will she be? Will she be? Because not all girls are into the blind, broken bird thing. Some girls are going to be like, oh, he gave her a four and a half. He gave his wife a four and a half carat ring. Maybe I'll get an she- apartment. Right? You know? Is that what it is? The yeah. girl gets the apartment? The apartment gets- or like, usually it's I'm going to fuck him till he leaves her kind of deal. I mean, you know, it works for some people. And no judgment. You know, it's 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 such a it's such I'm grimacing at the culture. Oh yeah. Yeah, Not no, so like much any one person involved right. in any, you know, just the, the culture of it that this right. is an indoctrination that women believed was the highest they could achieve as a lot in life just feels to me so anthema to the strength of the women that raised me. Like it feels so impossibly opposite of the same world that gives me Electra as well. So like right. it's just but so we're also hard like, to hear. We're also looking at the fact that like our parents, when my mom turned 18, 1974 was the year you could finally get uh, across the board credit cards and checking accounts in your name. That's the year that it became, it's law. Women cannot be told no without a man. Right. And so like, for like, I know for my mom, like she doesn't know what it's like to live in a world paying rent in a checking account that has your dad's name on it because you couldn't open it on your own. And so like, but that's the world that Karen is living in. Wow. Like Karen is probably living in one of those, like, um, you, I think you saw it in Agent Carter. I think she lives in one of those houses where there's like a, an older woman and like a pool and a bunch yeah. of ladies, a bunch of working girls who live. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse I've me. watched Mad Men. Pardon. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you get Cause, it. Because <laughs> there's that one guy who's so hot. Right. Yeah. But like that there's, there were, and those houses still exist. There are still those houses in New York City that are just like, there is a caretaking woman and everyone who lives in the building is a young woman, professional career. And part of living wow. in that building is breakfast is at eight o'clock so you can get to work. Dinner is at six. So you come home from work and you're like, there's no men, there's no distractions, there's no kids, there's no like none of this. Like, it's just like a safe place for women to live in the city and not be harassed by men 
on their way to getting married. And so like, that's the world that Karen's living in. Anyway, sorry. No, I needed to, I needed to know that because like, you know, I sometimes think, I sometimes think I maybe make light of how little I loved or respected Karen growing up. Um, I, you know, hated her. Well, she's also being written through the lens of two dudes who've never thought about it before. Yeah. Never thought of like what a working woman in the 60s is like. And so she's also a very idealized Donna Reed-esque like kind of gal who just happens to work in the office with you. Okay. Um, So, but like for us reading it from her and for people who slowly join in, like once like Andesenti gets in, like Andesenti would understand what Karen was living in at the time that these were being written. And so. And, you know, I... I kind of feel like I always told myself Karen gets cool after born again. And, you know, I, I tell myself that like anything's not Heather Glenn, you know? Oh God. Anything isn't Debbie Nelson. Oh God. Debbie Nelson is Debbie Nelson. And like, let's talk about how foggy is as a husband. Awful. (laughs) You know, I feel like, one of the things that's because like the, the matador is defeated in this issue in the dumbest way. Yeah, 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 know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt looks up previous matadors in the international sports pages on microfiche, mm-hmm. and you know he finds this matador, puts out that matador is daredevil. Even and they really like, can you prove that? No, they fucking fought in public. But that was a hired actor. You see, we've always had these uh, crisis actors since the 60s. Honestly, was JFK even assassinated or was that some kind of giant plot to make sure that we didn't realize that like Catholics were taking over the world? It's actually a transformer. It's not a car. And the transformer whisked him away to safety. Yep, yep, yep. And then you find out that he's actually just Fidel Castro, just shaving his beard every so often. And then you're just like, is Marilyn Monroe even a person or is she just kind of like some sex robot that we put out early and she just like malfunctioned one day she was an original transformer and she transformed into a scooter because she was so little gotta ride her all around so Um, that's what a weird tangent that so anyway um real quick before we get back into the matador um the words so after foggy like is like should i do this how should i propose blah 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 Matt's like, oh no, my best friend, my partner wants to marry the same girl as I do. And then the next one out of his mouth is, how can I propose to her now? Why did Foggy have to tell me? Matt, 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 what is he doing? What is he thinking? Love is blind, but like, apparently it's also like bad at reading situation. I can't find where there was any references to him proposing anywhere. Oh, you want to look at the mid-12? Oh, no. I mean, oh, like... Before the whole... that? There yeah. are none. There are none. 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 As a matter of fact, the first time he says, I'm into Karen, is literally in the circus issue. Before that, he's just like, she's awful pretty. She smells real good. Foggy's so into her. She could never love someone like me. 
And then he cut. And then in the circus issue, he's like, "I'm a little into you." And he comes back into this, and he goes, "How can I propose to her now that Fozzie will?" And I'm just like, "Bro, bro, you like swan dive? No fear, swan dive into into love, I guess." And you know, that's one of the major themes of Daredevil for the rest of the sh- for the rest of the series. It's actually two things from this issue. It's inexplicable multiple partner complications and it's who is daredevil and how does the media play into that Mm -hmm. and those are two very very major themes for the rest of the series Mm -hmm. specifically you know this whole idea of multiple women you know there is always electra and there is kind of always a little bit black widow forever at this point like i you know they'll always love each other i guess but like you know it's a very interesting thing to see plotted out by issue five yeah yeah and it's so interesting because like matt's later on when matt starts like playing the field and getting more girls he gets a little smoother right now he's still very dry very like doesn't talk doesn't doesn't do much like just like dead zone and so for me like for that like for that personification that he puts forward to include the idea of like and he's a player you're like this is I don't get it I don't get it so yeah uh yeah the matador fight and the matador backstory like I just, it's all very by the numbers and like, I don't know. I'm very fascinated by how Matt decides to put that story in the paper and like how upset Foggy is and like how strange this must seem to Foggy. Like a lot of Matt's actions in this seem must seem very strange to Foggy. And how long we go without Foggy finding out is already hard for me because I'm already stressed by a lot of the sort of needless back and forth thing. And the pacing on this issue is probably the worst pacing by far. Yes. Because everything we've talked about has been in three clumps of four pages. And then there's just been a lot of fighting in between in a way that has not supported the length of the issue. Yeah, for all that, I'm like, wow, like we're really integrating the romance plot like better. It, that's not what's fucking up the pacing. It's the fact that like the matador isn't that interesting unless he's beating up Daredevil. Like there's right. nothing interesting about him. Him flipping over a fence is the most we get out of him where it isn't an actual fight between him and Daredevil. So there's like, there's no, there's outside of his backstory, there's very little him monologuing at anyone. Like there's very little like just matador. It's always just punch, punch, fight, fight. And to be honest, the drawing of how Daredevil fights right now is a little static yeah. and not as interesting to look at. And when the matador is such a, I don't want to say boring, but cheesy fight to have because he's just a cape. Yeah. And like, you know, it's not interest as interesting as other fights have been. I don't want to, you know, uncorrect your correction of yourself but i i do think he's kind of boring like you know if you tell me i'm going to a car stunt show Mm -hmm. and the car stunt is the car goes forward in a straight line 
at like 30 miles an hour. And then the car goes backward in a straight line at about 30 miles an hour and then stops. I guess that's a stunt. It's technically a stunt. You didn't fly, but that's not a very exciting stunt. Just because you can claim something, like, this is a fighting style. That doesn't make it a fighting style. You know, not everything translates across ideas like that. You know, so I think perhaps disposing of the matadors comfortably and readily as they do is pretty useful. Ultimately, I think this issue is fine. It's not great. It's just sort of par for the course. I'm more excited about getting to where we're going to get to, but at the moment, I'm not annoyed by this issue as much as I'm troubled by the problematic treatment of cultural heritage back in the 60s. Yes. Like, the matador stuff, I wish you could just, like, because a lot of the other stuff going on is deeply interesting. Um, And I really do like it. Um, I, I also... To me, I think the matador isn't also that smart because to me, if you're looking for Daredevil and you show up in a law office owned by Matt Murdock and there's Daredevil sitting there, like there are two names on the door. Which one is it? Like, Right. I don't think it's the and. Yeah, I don't think it's the and. And I, and I think it's probably the guy who put the, na- who put the thing in the newspaper. Like... I'm very shocked that like Matador didn't walk into Daredevil doing his very best like future kingpin like it's me I'm Daredevil <laughs> and be like so Murdoch like why are you in horns so what's the thing blind <laughs> yeah. thing like you want to chat about it like are you actually blind like let's call it, let's like man to man mask to mask um so yeah and also so just like it's fine there's a fun like um, the fire escape fight is probably yeah. is probably would probably be, be gorgeous like visually more. Um, I feel like the fact that it only takes up one page like it's kind of framed weird. Um, there's a lot of reliance think, on grid here. There's a lot of reliance on grid. Um, I'll be very happy when we snap out of that. But um, I, I will say I'm glad that the fire escape fight allows the people to kind of be like, get him Daredevil. And like he can feel the, the belief in him, shore him back up. Because I guess Daredevil also sort of gets like part of his power from the belief of the people around him again, which we've been talking about a lot on other things on X's for podcasts. But he sort of does need the love of the people to be his best. Yeah, I definitely get that. I mean, it's not like a definitive ability. No. It's definitely something that we see time and time again. Without a Hell's Kitchen to protect, Daredevil becomes really lost. Yeah. And I feel a lot of these stories kind of, they feel so middled and they feel so padded that when we do have like a big splash pinup at the end, it's just like, this should have been part of a, you know, I'm starting to realize that this should have been like stories to bedevil and it should have had three stories and daredevil should have been like a 10 page a plot. Yeah. I definitely feel like that is, that is something that would have, or if we got like three shorts, like yeah. three eight page shorts in it, I think that that would be better. 
um, for the for the story. And probably what we would have like if they were to introduce something like this now, like this would have been this would be something where it would be like a bunch of shorter ones to kind of get the vibes going. I would love um, his pal uh, Foggy Nelson and his law stories and his girl Karen Page uh, lady adventure secretary stories. I don't I don't know what they would have given her. But, you know, if Lois and Jimmy can have comics, I don't see any reason that Karen and Foggy can. Oh, Foggy 100% could have just like the bumbling law nonsense as Daredevil is like flipping around behind him. Like it's one of those of just like- He's always in got the a background. donut. Yeah, it's one of those. And then Karen's is very much just like the dating life of Karen where you like reveal that every other man that she goes out with is like just the worst bro ever. <laughs> and so like, that's why Foggy and Matt are a thing. Or like, or even like she accidentally goes out with like the ox without knowing it. I love it. <laughs> like all of that. Like there has to be a reason why Karen is so focused in on these two and like not trying anything else that like, I don't know. I don't know. Also like Matt's Catholic. I can guarantee you Karen's not. Like she's got to have some kind of feeling about that. Right? Because this is in an era where Catholic was like a term. Yeah. Like this was the, this was the height of like, I mean, I guess Kennedy was already elected, but like, you know, where people were like, mm, Catholics, they serve a un-American power kind of deal. But yeah, I mean, this is the parallelogram is, is the love parallelogram is continuing. Foggy's getting the worst corner of it. Always. He's the most obtuse angle of them all. And uh that's mostly what I have to say about this. Any lasting impressions, Nico? Well, my most lasting impression actually comes from the letters page. Yes, tell me more. Now, in the back of Daredevil number five, back in December of 1964, Dennis Millard from 89 Carter Lane in Plantsville, Connecticut, wrote in and said, Dear Stan, ooh, dear, ooh. ooh. I've just gotten my hands on the newest issue of Daredevil, and it's terrific. I have a Daredevil club with only seven members. The only thing wrong is that my English teacher just grabbed my comic, and now he's reading it. He's smiling. Now I've got eight members. Hurry. Oh, I'm sorry. Hooray. I'm on the good side of my teacher at last. Every sentence or so is punctuated by an exclamation point. There is no way Stanley didn't write this to himself. He 100% wrote that to himself. That's, that's, that's exactly how he thinks teenagers write. Talk. He's smiling. My goodness. You're live tweeting this? Into You're, a typewriter? Into a typewriter? <laughs> live tweeting this? <laughs> A teacher in Ohio is going to take your comic book and enjoyingly read it. And then join his student club? Look, I know the <laughs> 60s were different. Like, so I had this math- Seven boys. I had this math <laughs> that used to, she was nuts, right? And like, we had her right as she was retiring. And she's like, you might not believe me, but up until like 1989, 1990, I used to just take my smoking breaks with the students. And you know, if you could give me a cigarette during my smoking break, if I forgot my cigarettes, I'd give you extra credit. It was no big deal. Times were different. 
So maybe it's that different that you can like join your boy comic club. No. You know what? Good for Stan Lee. It's always nice to get the advice column started with something that really shows you at your best light. Well, uh, <laughs> speaking of our best light, I am very excited to come back and talk about Mr. Fear next time. Oh my God. Like, you know, if Daredevil is the man without fear, giving him a villain named Mr. Fear, I only wish this guy was called Mr. Fear, the man who devils to dare or whatever, because it's such a perfect villain. So I'm thrilled. And, you know, there's also Ox, and I think Ox is pretty hot. So I'm, I'm in. You would. I would. I really would. So I'm in. I'm excited. And until then, I'm Nico. And you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nico Action, as well as over on X's for Podcast, over on Twitter at X's for Podcast. And I'm Tori. You can find me on Twitter at Tori underscore Sheehan and on Instagram at SM Tori. That's Tori with an I. And until next time, stay fearless. Stay fearless. Hey everybody, I'm Nico, and you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at NicoAction. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And I'm Tori. You can find me on Twitter at Tori underscore Sheehan and on Instagram at SMTori. That's Tori with an I. And we're here to continue our amazing investigation of Daredevil story by story in The Billy Club which sometimes makes me feel like we're like in a really sexy John Grisham novel turned movie in like 1994. Yes. I also enjoy the fact that in this issue, we get Daredevil talking to his Billy Club with, okay, Billy Club, we've got ourselves a job to do. And I'm like, well, that's our new intro. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I had the pleasure of listening back to our episodes and I kept being like, I'm sure we said the same things a hundred times and I'm sure there isn't like really strong threads. No, it's all there. And it's one of the things that makes me so proud of this project because we're tracing this narrative and we're finding it. And like your understanding of Karen and what it was like to be a girly feminist in the 1960s. Like, I feel like I understand this book so much better now because something that we talk about a lot is disability visibility, but what about the other people who are underrepresented in comics at this time? Which is like basically everybody at this point. <laughs> and also like to put an asterisk on, on that Karen stuff. This is also girly feminism as, as viewed through the men who are writing her and drawing her and all that stuff. So like, is it, it it's like basic low level like feminism of we have a girl in the workplace, so it's already feminist. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's uh that's some saddening numbers but you know we're here to fix it kind of it's not exactly a time machine but one of the things that's so exciting is i think more women need to be talking about daredevil because he is just a character that we've seen culturally and moss as he's been introduced to the zeitgeist we have seen huge numbers of women react to these Marvel Netflix shows, react to the Zadarsky run, react to the Wade run. 
And I feel like there is so much to be said about what wasn't said back in the day that I'm really excited to watch Karen more than anyone ever this time. How do you feel as like a modern woman looking back at what they put Karen through? I think it's very, very easy to disregard Karen completely for a very long time. And I think it's really interesting because I know that a lot of people are 50-50 on Karen when it comes to like the Netflix Daredevil series. And I think that that kind of reflects her shaky beginnings because she wasn't meant to be anything really much more than this uh the one of the points of this love triangle to be the damsel in distress to be the pretty girl that we're all looking at like that's really all she's meant to do in the beginning she's not gonna grow into her own self and her own uh, storylines for quite a while and it's so indicative of something i guess i'm coming to understand better through multiple projects and i'm investigating a separate side universe called MC2 on another program that I'm doing along with my collaborative partner, TK. And in that universe, which is what if Spider-Man and co aged in real time. And in I have a Captain America shield. That's new favorite thing is when my voice hits a certain pitch, it just goes off in the background of everything. So, you know, my cap shield just made another guest appearance. I love it. And so, in this universe where everybody ages in real time, there is a character named Dark Devil, and Dark Devil is Daredevil gets murdered by an evil clone of Spider-Man named Kane, who's real, who is working for the Kingpin. And when Kane feels so guilty for taking a person so good from the world as Daredevil that he turns to dark magic to try and resurrect Daredevil. It goes horribly awry and the good clone of Peter Parker, Ben Riley, had a son and through this incantation going horribly awry, Zarathos, the dark demon of the Ghost Rider, like the darkness of the Ghost Rider, Zarathos, enters the boy. And in that moment, I'm going to lose my shit. Matt purifies his own spirit to save this child from being another child hurt when they lost a father figure. And Matt becomes a guardian angel force fighting against Zarathos. Like literally, he becomes like an angel and becomes Ghost Rider's demon's equivalent and holds him at bay and fires him out of this child. That was 1998. That's what the guys writing this in 1998 still thought about Daredevil. <laughs> I believe Matt Murdock is a complicated character. Not everyone agrees. <laughs> so, in my coverage, I'm like, look, we talk a lot about how people believing in him makes him more powerful, but like, I don't know that he could transform into an angel of justice and judgment and fire out a millennium old super god. Is Matt Murdock a saint? Let's start from the top. <laughs> right. And I bring that up because not a single lick of that is in here. Yeah, no. no. And 
So how could they have known what Karen was going to be when they had no idea what Daredevil was going to come to mean? Yeah. The only person who sort of stays the same, I guess, is Foggy. I guess they do a little more human humanizing of Foggy because he is very much 1960s dude. Oh, yeah. This. Uh, so, like, I wouldn't be shocked if he was a bird watcher. Like, it's all of this nonsense. That's not that's not bird watching. That's girl watching. Okay, because I was like, yeah. okay, bird watching. No, no, no. The bird watching that led to the sweater riot. So, like, when um, I go to the boardwalk to check out the cake shop. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Got yeah. it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Man, and speaking of cakes, I just need to say for ten seconds. If I wasn't gay before I read Daredevil, this boy's butt would have made me gay. It's a good butt. And it's in black right now, so you don't even really get too much shape in it. But, like... It, like, <laughs> sticks out for a skinny white boy. Like, they specifically... There's a lot of him... Yes. He's got, like, shapely features. He does. And, like... and he looks particularly beefed up in the corner of the cover this time around. So I'm so glad you said something about the cover because that means we should jump into the book proper. We are of course here to talk about the only ever, and this is one of my favorite things, sixth issue of Daredevil. Of course, we've already talked about an extra two issues in Amazing Spider-Man 16 and a sneeze of Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man 18. Oof, bless Oof. you. Right? <laughs> bless us both. Maybe Matt will protect us from a demon. <laughs> and it's okay. So issue five ends with that amazing Wally Wood splash. And then issue six starts with pretty much the exact same fucking image in a way that I find like semi-unempowering, I guess. Yeah, I wasn't crazy about it. I love that we get the double D right now. I love that you know we have a really a lot of really fun lettering and simple colors the pink sky the blues and yellows it's all very nice but like yeah this is almost the exact same image and it's a it's hard for me to decide what is called lazy back then because like on the one hand i know that there was two months between the last issue and this one and on the other hand i imagine they had a lot fewer people in the bullpen back then so like it all sort of i guess evens out to probably what we see the workload and the amount of stress and recopying that we see today yeah okay i'll go for it i'll definitely agree because it's not like he photoshopped it he can't he could have traced it maybe maybe there was some tracing yeah, and like it's not a swipe if it's your own work because that would put most of the top artists at Marvel and DC out of work if they can't trace themselves. It's your personal property. Nobody says to Mariah Carey, that run sounds like that other run. Stop whistling through your face hole so much. They just say, keep singing, girl. And I think one of the things that like I think about a lot is I'm a performance artist in that I perform my art. I don't create art that I necessarily think about seeing over and over again analyzed. Mm. I write songs, but for me, I'm writing the song for someone else. For me, the song is about the individual performance. Mm. That is not the case with comics. Every mistake these gentlemen made that has not been digitally corrected by the digital upgrade bullpen exists forever. And in so many ways, when I think about how like, when a book comes out on Wednesday and there's a typo in it, I get an update Thursday morning at 8 a.m. 
It's just how my world works. There's an auto button on my Comixology. Download the updated version without telling me. Yeah, please do. I want it in HD if I can get it in HD. But like these guys didn't have that benefit. So there is some choppiness to these stories that just is hard to miss. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think that sort of that choppiness is only exacerbated by the fact that we only get this issue every so often because it means that like unless they were literally like, all right, folks, there's you know, 22 page, there's 24 pages and there's eight weeks in between. So every week you got to do three pages of Daredevil. I can guarantee you that did not happen. I can guarantee you it was, all right, you've got 24 pages in 14 days, let's go. Um, so like they're, there's, they're taking the time in between where they have to remind themselves what everything looks like. They have to remind themselves what these things look like. And I know that it's different from not drawing at all to drawing again, but drawing something in another style for another title has to be, and then to just like drop it and move to back to this does have to create a certain amount of like differences and confusion. And, you know, does Foggy's face look like that? Does Matt's face look like that? Unclear. Yeah. I, I really agree with you. That's something we've been talking about a lot that these artists also don't get credit on. If I got hired to hire, if I got hired to write Spider-Man today, I could look at over 2,500 issues that contain his narrative voice, how he moves, how he thinks. If I were hired to write Daredevil, I would have a thousand issues. But if you hired me to write Sights, the new character created by Jason Liu, he's a mutant in the pages of X-Men Unlimited, where he just always has anime eyes full time and they have stars around them, and he can always see the truth. Aww. And like, he's my new favorite character of all time. And he's like a queer bee little bartender. I love him so much. And he's like obsessed with mutant pop stars. So this character is exactly me. I have yeah. one issue and eight panels to pull from. So like, yeah. how do these fucking guys drew that? I'm wild. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. That, that's talent is what that is. Because like that's the other thing is that we're not saying it's bad, right? We are right. not saying it's bad. What we we're saying it. is that like the the continuity and the uh, effortlessness of going from one issue to the next is slightly compromised For sure. because of various things that we've been talking about. I I agree a lot, and I think it's one of the things where Daredevil benefits from the advancement of art. In like, I love. When And I'm going to get some shit for this, but I love when he's in the bleed and in the gutter. Like, I love when his leg is out of the panel box. And I love when he's holding onto the top of the panel. And I love when the billy clubs fly through one panel into the other panel, hitting someone in the face. Like, the progressive challenge of form and medium, which ultimately belies the best Daredevil stories under the most talented artists, just isn't here yet. So as much as I'm like, and you know, Tori has had to draw me writing nine panel grid so many fucking times, it's unattractive. The first issue we worked on together had a 17 panel page. I'll never forgive you for that. I, I wouldn't either. That was terrible. 17 no panels of a fight. And he's like, no, yeah, just this one has a punch. And this one, and I'm just like, I've never drawn a fight in my life. <laughs> I've never had so many panels in my life. And you want me to keep it within the bleed zone? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, do a straight up daredevil in 1964. I was like, don't you come to 2000 and whatever, 2014? <laughs> yeah, 2014. Jesus Christ. So 
I really think the amount of nine panel grid here and deviations on nine panel grid, especially when the only thing really making these characters different is the color blocking. Daredevil is in his yellow and red and I love it. Yellow for the last time. Oh my God, for the last time. I don't get say goodbye to this beautiful yellow shirt. Bye-bye. Bye-bye yellow shirt. Bye-bye. I don't, I don't know what to do because like Daredevil yellow is the most famous miniseries representing this time in his life. We can come it, back to that. We'll it's six there. issues though. I know. It's one more than he's actually in the yellow costume. I know. That's, this costume has so much impact for something that only appears seven times. Yeah. It's crazy because two of them aren't even his issue. So I don't know, man. I, I'm really going to be sad to say goodbye to yellow. I think it grows on me more and more every time I see it. I remember, I don't know if you remember going like KB Toys as a kid, but like rushing those aisles because I grew up a Marvel Comics fan and there would be those giant figures and then the small figures. And I'm really lucky. Uh, series contributed to X's for podcast and incredible boyfriend Jonah got me all of the Daredevil and Electra figures they released this year for my birthday. Oh my God. So there's like five up on my wall and it's amazing. And I would rush those aisles because I knew, according to Wizard Magazine, that they had just made a yellow and red 12-inch figure variant with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, thirteen points of articulation. I can still see the figure in my goddamn head anytime I want. This figure meant more to me than anything in this world because I got to be like, no, I'm a real Daredevil fan. I even know this costume and the internet doesn't exist. I, I hope you got it. I did. I okay. had I had a 12 <laughs> yellow, I had a eight inch red, and then he's in that horrible tech costume in the 90s. And I have I a five inch. Yet. I'm not looking forward to it. No, he's so buff in it that he like literally fills this double page spread I can think of in particular. He's bigger than like the Hulk. I cannot wait. I cannot wait until we get to the 90s and we have to talk about putting this hyper-masculine facade on top of Matt Murdock, the softest boy in the land. And we get to have like gender theory conversations about a dude who fucks more than almost anybody in the goddamn universe. Every woman just wants to touch his belly club. It is wild. Ooh, I mean, <laughs> count me in. Um, speaking of touching things you shouldn't, let's talk about these uh, thieves pretending to be camera crews. Fine. Well, the camera crew is real. Yes. The actors are secretly thieves. I'm super attracted to the ox. I'm sorry. I, I'm not surprised by this information. It tracks with everything I know about you. It does. Ox is kind of like your standard bear and eel is kind of like your standard twink. And Mr. Fear is that uncomfortable dom that tries to dom everybody. And interestingly, his last name, Drago, there are three classic Marvel Universe villains with the last name Drago, all unrelated. Fun fact, I looked it up. Zoltan Drago, I wrote, what a name, means life precious in Slavic region. Wow. You're welcome. Thank you. Because I'm like sitting over here being like, and then there's a Drago that's one of the vultures. And you're like, how about some real stuff? 
I just, you know, every so often I'm like, the fuck does this mean? Because like, it probably means like giant purple scary guy. And they're just like life precious. And I'm like, okay, talk to me about how like a guy who's super into mannequins is like life precious. Tell me more, give it to me. Is that he wants to preserve life and the way maybe, it looks? Maybe, and maybe life is so precious that like we can only hold on to it by putting it under glass and like, it's just a lot. It's just a lot to think about that I guarantee they didn't think about in the 1950s. No, they were like, that's got a Z and oh, that kind of sounds like a cool name. That's sort of like from that Rocky movie, Okie Dokie. It's kind of like Zolt. That doesn't exist yet. Well, it's like Zolt and, and like Dragon. So it's like Lightning Dragon. And that's probably what. So I literally thought the word sagacious meant saga like my entire life because Stan Lee used the word sagacious to mean saga like since like the 1960s. So he just liked the way some stuff sound and really fucked the rest of us over. That's fair. That is fair. Um, I was also really fascinated by this whole crime setup because like the amount of permits and shit that you need to film, particularly in New York City and even in the kind of swing in 60s, like you need so many permits, so yes. many like don't send the street cleaners here. Please make sure the cops are sort of aware that this is happening. Please block off this street. Please make sure sanitation doesn't come through. Like, but make sure sanitation comes through once we're done, because we have a bunch of dumpsters. Like, there's so many permits and like things you have to figure out that like it makes more sense if they just hired a film crew. Because if the film crew was part of it, there's just so much paper trail that you could just really nail them on. And this guy doesn't seem like he's trying to hide that hard. So no. first of all. What a great perspective. I really loved that because <laughs> the sort of like sometimes when they clearly get stuff wrong, I kind of lose my shit in fiction only when it misrepresents an industry in a way that is unfair to that industry. Like, you know, whether or not I thought the songs on Smash were a lot of fun. I knew you, this was where going. It's going to always go there. <laughs> it's going to always go there. I can't. Yeah, yeah. When, when Smash we, makes opening night on Broadway uh look worse than it did on glee like you got a problem big problem big problem and i feel like knowing that there is kind of a way in which him hiring a crew kind of makes sense yeah because and- at least it's just paperwork at least it's just he probably stiffed them on like the bill but like the crew would have done all of the permits and the whatevers and the blah blah blahs and then all of a sudden there's just cops everywhere oh my gosh but i love i love a con artist story i love i love you know a good a good uh safe break um i'm i'm also very fascinated when they pull in a villain that has a lot of the same acrobatic skills as daredevil and they have Uh, him reference that he fought uh human torch yes which was so clever. Like that's the kind of like tie-in stuff that I expect to see in my 60s comics. Right, right, right. So these are, so while the, so Mr. Fear wasn't seen previously, but these two were. Correct on every count. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Also, can you help me out? What is this MMMS that keeps popping up? In like background posters and things with like, it might be a little further ahead, but 
I'm just going to assume it's like the Mighty Marvel Masterworks Society or something. Okay. okay. It feels like, I don't know. I'll, if I see, when I see it, I'll, I'll let you know. But, and it might um, be legit because like we do have a reference to Woolworths. Mm. And so it could be a legit thing I'm just unaware of for sure. Oh yeah. The MMMS wants you top left of page three or of a, yeah, comic page three. Mm -hmm. It's like the the thing going pointing. Oh my God, you are the best. No better time to do it than now, I guess. Those of you who are exorbitant enough to spend the money on the omnibus editions have a slight unfair advantage to those of us who are a little bit more reasonable and don't buy omnibus of everything. Okay, I bought the omnibus of this, but I don't buy the omnibus of everything. In our letters page. <laughs> they are clearly beginning to really push that Marvel is a brand here. And in the special announcement section, which is the last thing after all the letters, the third announcement is ever wonder how DD keeps his uniform so nice and neat while he's swinging into action. It's because he holds it together with his Mary Marvel marching society membership pin. If you oh, haven't sent in no. for yours yet, Hurry up and fill out the coupon in this ish. You wouldn't want your fighting costume to become undone during a battle, would you? I have to assume that at one point you had to write what page it was on. Like, did you find the, the little hinty guy? Oh, ooh, it's right up there with sea monkeys, let me tell you. Oh, or like occasionally in the 70s. I mean, they're really good about single page ads. Mm. But in the 70s, they would do like double splashes with the bottom half ads and the top half art. It was so ugly and weird. I don't like that, especially because like in the 70s, I guarantee it was Lockheed Martin. Gross. Not the fun dragon one. Um, great. Well, now that we all have those, um, I also, uh, oh, I don't know here that Daredevil fights like Theseus, but like, we don't need to go into that. <laughs> but it's important to have it on the record. Right, like he fights smart. He goes he goes low, so you go high and then he throws you. Like it's, he's, a, he's a smart fighter. Um, you might even think he was trained by a wrestler or a boxer. A boxer? Oh, wow. Um, I'm super fascinated by once Mr. Fear like shows up, we get a lot more purple in all of the panels. It's really neat, um, really great, great thing, especially because I mean, in my new digital version, I don't know how it looked back in the day, but it feels like a very different purple from Mr. from the Purple Man. Yeah, a thousand percent. It feels I, much more electric. I wanna know how you feel about that. So like, uh, it's not a big secret, but like my all-time favorite Daredevil side character that isn't Elektra, you know, because she's not a side character, she's her own thing, is Gladiator. And, you know, Melvin is, he just breaks my heart every time he appears. And his costume shop is a better version of the Wax Museum. Oh, yeah. And Purple Man is a better version of Mr. Fear. Yeah, yeah. So what's this issue, bro? I... I would love to have someone who was in the room with writer Stanley, illustrator Wally Wood, letterer Sam Rosen, and help me figure out what what makes them choose villains for for Daredevil. 
because it's not just super strong. It's not just psychological. It's not just smart. And sometimes it's not just stilts. So like what, what, you know, when you've talked a lot about how for Spider-Man, there's a lot of animal ones for other characters. They also have like their own sort of like niche grouping of villains that they work with. And so to have Daredevil sort of be a catch-all and then to have a catch-all of new ones, because it's one thing when you're a catch-all of other people's things, like we get it. Daredevil was a B-side character, like he's going to get people's leftovers. But to then create someone who's halfway sort of the same as another one, what was the, was the idea that he would only work with things that have to do with fear? Is that like what they might've been looking to do? And then it just never worked out? I got to assume, you know, the X-Men fight Juggernaut and Blob pretty close together. And then Eunice, who is also untouchable. Eunice is a much less popular mutant. I don't, you know, expect a lot of people to recognize him by name, but his name is Eunice the Untouchable. And he has a super powerful impenetrable force field that at one point like turned against him and he almost died in it. And he has a really cool daughter named Eunice Sion. And she's got an incredible force field as well. And they all kind of had a, you can't touch me kind of vibe early on. Mm -hmm. So I do have to wonder if they were just like, the X-Men are weird. Don't touch them. You can't touch their villains. Daredevil's scared or whatever. Spooky villains. Oh, maybe that's why they got rid of the yellow too close to a color of fear. I think that's a really important perspective because, you know, I love that you mentioned the purples mm -hmm. and something I, you know, just to talk a little bit about mental illness I for a minute. On the other side of the color wheel. Right? I experienced a condition called panic disorder for about two years where I was just like, my brain just was having so much trouble finding things to not be scared of. And it made life really complicated. And I'll be honest, when you're scared, the world does have a very different color and tastes are different and sounds are different and everything hits your brain different. And this overwhelming sense of purple, which immediately disappears. They are so careful. When you take a look at the pages back mm -hmm. in Murdoch and Nelson, with the exception of Foggy, who's in a dark red, almost as if he's marked, mm -hmm. everything stays on these lighter spectrum colors because the purple man's not here. He's not influencing oh my god i said purple man because mr fear is not here he's not influencing everything mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. so i really agree with that purple perspective yeah. yeah 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 um i love when daredevil is confused and scared i think it's a really fascinating difference because even this early on for all that daredevil and matt aren't quite who they end up being you do understand that daredevil is a very very competent superhero oh, yeah. he, he's very good at what he does and he does it with you know vim vigor and all the virility you need so i i always enjoy when he's like wait what <laughs> oh my goodness so because that's that. that's kind of how he behaves as matt Mm -hmm. like, it's so interesting because, and I mean, you're someone who's worked in theater, so you'll get this, but when I am, you know, up on a panel or when I was working in Disney or when I'm up on stage performing, I'm someone else. Yeah. You're, you're putting on the extra version. I'm doing it right now. Same. And if I were scared, I would be like, no, no, no. I'm Nico without the baseball caps and without the bravado. I'm scared right now. Right. Yeah. And I love that. 
Yeah, and it's so interesting that that you bring that up because then that means that Matt has decided that to show that he is to to show that he is I guess the persona that he wants to be perceived as is as a very good lawyer who's just sort of flighty also and also a little a little uh, a fear to things. Um, I don't want to skip right to Matt and Karen and, and Bobby because we're going to have to do a catch up on that parallelogram because I don't want to skip over the fantastic one page story of a cat turning you evil. And <laughs> I love it. it's such a cute little kitty. <laughs> it is one of those moments where I'm just like, who thought that this was a believable origin story? Someone who owns a cat. Okay. Someone who owns a cat. I've never had a like, cat. Like watch the cat like knock something over and be like, you're very lucky that that wasn't, you know, acid. <laughs> I watch enough animal fail videos to see cats rip TVs right off the wall. Right, they'll do shit. They do shit, it's fine. But like, and then he's like, oh no, the cat. The cat's just like, did I get a treat? Is it me? Um, but it's just it, it this is one of those again this is a villain who is given like all of this weird shit of fear gas and just decides like he could have gone one way and sold it to the military for billions of dollars and instead it's just like no you know what i need a skull mask some robes and, and a dream of something <laughs> a dream of a scarier world <laughs> are you kidding like Come on, fellas, like take the easy way out, get the money and run. <laughs> that is one of the things that like daredevil villains have a habit of doing more than like other villains. I feel like when the X-Men are defeated, a uh, bad guy mutant goes back to his lair and counts his money. I don't know. Yeah. And the Avengers defeat Loki, Loki goes back to Asgard and counts the bodies. I don't know. Yeah. But when daredevil villains defeat him, they're like, I'm going to walk through Times Square talking about it. Yeah. They're like, I got rid of that guy. And I'm like, you know, there's a swinging kid out in Queens that you're going to have to deal with real fucking soon. And then all the people from upstate are going to come down. And there's a wizard down on Bleecker Street. There's a wizard! I was like, there's, I don't know where the four tower is, but I'm pretty sure it's Times Square. You're going to have to fuck with that, too. Like... This is just like, and Harlem, God forbid we go up to Harlem. Like you got, you've got problems Everywhere. on all levels, street level to sky level. You're, you're covered on the, in the New York port. You are top to bottom five boroughs of pain. Take that shit to Philly if you want to try. Good luck. <laughs> Cause like I've met Philly people. I don't need Philly super people um <laughs> because if they had super people maybe the Phillies would win every so often ba -da 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 -da. boom I said it I'll say it again I'll say it every day meanwhile uh, do you have anything else for Mr. Fear oh just that his gun is so annoying oh, it's just a gun like it's not that I you know I'm very anti-gun in terms of like we don't need that in our comic books um, whatever my personal belief, <laughs> whatever my personal beliefs are about firearms, it, right. it doesn't matter. Number one, you know, I'm very about public safety. So I don't really think that we need to be further indoctrinating guns as weapons on a scale where we're trying to show kids, go stand up to that thing, go fight that gunman. I don't think we need that, but this is a little bit more just like, 
that's not how like waves work. We're going to get into how air works later. <laughs> because it doesn't. Because that's not how it works. <laughs> anyway, we are back in, in the office. And I'll start with the parallelogram update. Oh, please I, do. I truly believe that this is beyond a triangle at this point. Daredevil's officially a fourth point on this thing where you try to figure out the fastest way from one point to the next. So It's like the fucking map of Mordor. It really is. So Matt, I'm, I, I, I keep bobby pins around because I, I fiddle. Um, so Matt is into, is, loves Karen, but he thinks she loves Daredevil and maybe Foggy. Maybe she returns Foggy's feelings. Karen loves Matt, but is playing with Foggy as a backup, but also is hot for Daredevil. Foggy loves Karen and thinks Matt hangs the moon, but is still kind of mixed on daredevil and uh that's what you missed on daredevil daredevil i you know what i would love i think daredevil's into karen and i think daredevil uh, doesn't think about foggy at all yeah oh my gosh yeah i you know we spend so many runs talking about how daredevil's two different people why can't he have feelings for somebody in one form and not in the other yeah. you know foggy took care of him foggy protected him and cherishes him like i don't mean cherishes in a funny way but like you can cherish your brother like that and i mean i think it's a little gayer than that but you know you can cherish your brother like that and yet dd is this swashbuckling alter ego persona where he's just letting it like i mean stuffy lawyer mm -hmm. spandex mm -hmm. this isn't hard to see where he feels free in the second costume Oh, and also he goes home and sleeps with Matt, too. So, like, there's that. Gosh. Well, they just jerk each other off all the time. Living together in sin. Living together in <laughs> sin. And that's why they write in all the Catholicism. Ooh, somebody's gotta. Um, so, anyway, I was very fascinated that we have... Uh, Matt has his little, like, calling service device. They go and they visit the daredevil mannequin, but he also has, sorry, I got ahead of myself. He has a television in his office, which is very strange to me because it's not a television in the main area. It's a television in his office. And I'm just like, Matt chooses such specific things to seem blind. Yes. Like, he's like, I'm blind. So I have a television. I was like, bro, I know you have a radio. Right? I know you do. So why right? don't you just have the radio? But no, we need a television. He's such a fucking bad alter ego. He's terrible at alter egoing. I just want to I just want to say goddamn. I just want to put on my I'm not Daredevil shirt. That's a great shirt. They really should have brought in a lot sooner. Um so yeah, so Karen's like, let's go visit these the mannequins. They go to the mannequins. They find out his name is Zoltan Draco. I think that guy read Pygmalion too often, because why else would you keep mannequins around to become people? Oh, uh, it's because that gives them an easy character reference sheet they can copy. They're not mannequins of no one. They're mannequins of Thor, of Ant-Man, of Mr. Fantastic. This was how they could get in there quick draw the people you know how to draw mm. this is true this is true 
It only occurred to me because of our conversation earlier. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, okay. Oh wow. I really went back and forth on my notes a lot. Oh my goodness. I'm trying to keep this moving, but like, goddamn. Uh, Let me ask you a question. Have to, hit me, hit me, please, because I'm getting lost in my own manic notes. Speaking of people who got hit, Foggy's the damsel here. Foggy is the damsel here. So this is really interesting. I remember one of the early comments that, you know, canceled Joss Whedon once said was that they figured out really early that in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer show, putting Willow in trouble was a great idea because like, everyone was like, oh no, like the fans really reacted. Um, but I feel like they would also sometimes put Xander in danger and the general idea was, oh no, not him too. <laughs> and I feel like that's what we get with Foggy where it's like, oh no, not him too. He's looking hot this issue, hotter I mean, than he yes. looks any other issue, even drawn by Wally Wood. Like he looks good. He is giving me um what's his face for my dream of genie. Oh yeah, Larry Hagman. Yes, yes, giving me he that was Larry Hagman. I know. Yeah, I was yeah, I get that. I very get that. And the other thing that I think is working for Foggy, and I don't mean this mean, but seeing him with the what kind of looks like a John McEnroe tennis band, mm -hmm. kind of foreshortens the very long head they gave him. Mm -hmm. This is an example of where now I really want him to wear sweatbands all the time at the office. My God, how profesh, how profesh. But I also love that like, they really damseled Foggy up a lot. Like he gets the, the what is it? The, the La Pieta moment almost like he gets, he gets the full like, damselly you know hit the, the wall there's a crack a hole in the wall and he's lying in a little bit of rubble and his ties askew save me daredevil save after ripping the face off of something god yeah no he gets carried oh yeah he does get carried on the full up here wow they really leaned into matt cares about foggy like yes. I think that this is necessary because the truth is I don't care about Foggy yet. I think he's a creeper. I think he's uncomfortable. I think he's backup Matt. What do you think that people of the time reacted that way? Because we think of him as a creeper because we elevate Karen's status more now. At the time, would he have been just more than just like, I don't want to say Jimmy Olsen because he doesn't, because he's, because he's his like actual best friend and is and is seen to be on the same footing. He's not a Jimmy Olsen, but like that he gets to be the, like, what would he be to the people? Is he disposable? I think it's- Is he the Aunt May? I think it's kind of like Gene Rayburn syndrome, which totally off topic, but one of the things that I love about uh, American media culture is the American game show mm -hmm. and in all of its many splendored forms I think that the game show is like an actual art Jane Lynch hosting the weakest link is like pinnacle excellence like she makes me regret that she's such an amazing actress because I wish she could just host game shows like I've been to multiple tapings of match game like game shows are my thing 
And I really have trouble going back before like, I don't know, um, win, lose, or draw when the CBS years when the cast of Designing Women was on. Because anything before that, the guests get kissed by the men. All like, the time. Like these men just put their hands Dawson. on these women. Dawson, Dawson, Dawson is the worst. Dawson. I wasn't even gonna fucking bring up Richard Dawson, Dawson because Dawson, drunk men. Dawson. Really put a lot of young women in danger, really behaved like an animal on set, and like that is who I think Foggy is. Oh, he's just one of the boys. And now we see it as that's not one of the boys. That's gross. Stop touching women that you did not have permission to touch. Right. And Foggy is just in that Richard Dawson. This is the family feud, and he's here to make up for the fact that he's not a successful actor anymore. I agree. Uh, and so, like, I'm wondering, like, I know that there's a little bit of that in the tel- of this in the television series, but the idea that Foggy is who Matt should be trying to become as opposed to this nerdy little half-broken, you know, disabled boy who somehow still gets plenty of girls, but in to Foggy. Do you think that Foggy thinks of it as like, oh, but they're like pity girls. Do you like, do you think he maybe even has some I'm the bull here mentality? I think, I think that Foggy possibly thinks that Matt has an easy way of getting girls and he has to he has to prove himself to girls. That it's a little bit like, oh, he gets all the girls because he got he's got the Ferrari. He gets all yeah. the girls because his dad's a rolling stone. Yeah. You know? And Foggy's like, I got a little money, I got a good job, but like I, I don't got what Matt's got. So I gotta hustle for mine. And that makes my girl, me getting a girl more worthy than Matt just being able to get any girl who says, oh, I bet I can fix him. I also wonder how much Foggy is a response to Matt as a personality. When I take a look at the very loud suits Foggy wears, compares to the very black, muted, navy blue, dark suit that they constantly put Matt in, Foggy is desperate for attention in a way that Matt does not need. And it really makes him dressing so garishly seem kind of needy. No, 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 I agree. But there is also a part of me that's like, a black suit looks good with any tie. So. <laughs> oh, I agree. Fuck it up. <laughs> the but, blind man can't fuck it up. Kind but of. then why wouldn't Foggy wear that? Why wouldn't Foggy but, also style you know, it? That is true. On the Foggy side of things, why is Foggy in all of these bright, garish colors when that's not really who he is? Because he's not really a swinging 60s guy. He's exactly. not a hyper hip 60s guy. He is very much like, he's trying to be, you know, that Don Draper and Don Draper doesn't show up in a neon purple suit. No, and not this green stuff that looks exactly like the same color as the eel who, all right, we've gone so far without saying it. We've been so good. We can say it. That is literally a gimp suit. That is quite literally a full body gimp suit. I have been to enough fulsome parties to recognize a green full body Gimp suit. And he's covered in lubricant. Yeah, this is turning straight up into Folsom. In lubricant. I just. What were they thinking? I, I I I don't I don't get it. I think maybe they didn't get it. 
because like for all that you're like Wonder Woman came from the idea of like a kinky night between etc and the importance of a poly triad and all of this stuff blah 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 I get the feeling Stan Lee didn't attend those kinds of parties <laughs> and I feel like Excelsior. neither did Wally Wood so which you know thank you so much for bringing up Wally Wood anybody who as we wind down this episode might not be aware I just want to give a quick trigger warning Wally Wood had a very sad life and it was marred by a lot of personal tragedy. And while Wallywood is one of the most fondly remembered artists to ever grace Daredevil, he actually only drew on issues like five to eight and contributed to nine and 10. And he ultimately uh, just, you know, so everyone is warned, you know, sensitive topic here. He did ultimately take his own life in 1981. And that was a huge wake up call for the comic industry to start taking care of these people. And it just bothers me that the only people that could take care of still are the men. And all of these women who worked under them, who got no credits, who will never be able to claim a character, get no recognition on top of these men who get no recognition. It's a really sticky world. And it's just so sad that we lost Wally Wood to such an unkind, situation that could not have been made any easier by the toxicity of his industry. Yeah. That's it's I I was not aware of of Wallywood's passing and and tragic story. Um and it is heartbreaking to know that we lost some of the, some of the original creators of this of this comic. So early, so early in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's really lovely because you can look at things like the letters pages where they're just so excited that Wally's going to be on and ultimately he doesn't serve the length run that they say they hope he does. But it's it's nice to see Stan show love. Yeah. And it's unforgettable because this is the guy that like that last panel where Daredevil's horns are projected against the wall. Like this guy really served us up daredevil that Stephen s denight is grateful for to this day yeah yeah it's just it's a shame it's a real shame similar to the real shame that is how his fear how mr fear's fear gas works which yeah. is not how air works nope at all no nope. like <laughs> You know, I, I was I was willing to say like, okay, it was blown straight into his face in the first couple pages. So like that makes sense. It's a concentrated aerialized spray, but the idea that you can just throw it into the HVAC and like it's only gonna affect Daredevil and when no one else is wearing gas masks, like it's it's definitely not science. No, and like you could even convince me that a later comic would have access to a piece of Daredevil's DNA, a strand of hair that was found, and they could synthesize something that he would be afraid of. But I don't think you can convince me that... That's why I was like, it's just energy rays. That's really what it is. It's a targeted yeah. energy ray. Yeah. And they just tried to write Purple Man again. They tried to write Purple Man again, but like in this weird like MK Ultra kind of like stylization. And I was just like... Ah, you could, you should have really just taken this to Russia and made a billion trillion dollars. So I just, 
I don't know, especially, and like, and like, so this is why when Foggy goes in, I'm just like, why are you going in on this? Why don't you just call in the tip that you figured out who this was? Like, why do you feel the need? Why did you yourself? Help? You've yeah. already fucked up in the past. You've already been injured in these sorts of fights in previous issues. And also he's not even doing it because like Karen's going to be with him. Like this is just like his own personal nonsense of like trying to prove himself up against Daredevil when you're already calling him an idiot for being in these situations to begin with. So like she doth protest too much and now he's behaving stupidly. And I just, I don't know. I don't know, man. I we think- are a, we're a long way from Guts Nelson. We are, we are. Um, but I did like how Karen got a few more like emotional beats this time around. For we sure. got to see her like caring for people. She gets to have a really nice moment for, with Matt where she calls his ass out for leaving because it's true. Like from the outside perspective, Matt's a shitty fucking friend. Truly. Like truly. Seriously. And that's like, uh, I keep mentioning this because um I'm, I'm trying to catch up so that by the time we hit like other people, I'm not, you know, I can keep my Netflix references up to date, but um, there there's constantly moments where they're like, you were just wandering the street in with your phone off. Yeah. Okay. Like, no, Why would you do that? You're a, you're a flaky fuck. I've had one friend get blackout drunk on the group and disappear. And the only reason this happened was because I was not with the group at this point. But uh, he got blackout drunk. He fucking disappeared. And like, we were deeply concerned about him on the streets of New York City until he was able to let us know he was okay. Because yeah, that's some shit. And this is before New York got cleaned up. Oh my God. We actually... uh read an Electra story that was just published for X's for podcast. And it has a flashback to like 1982 and all of the stuff says like girly peep show 25 cents. And I was like, ah, pre Giuliani, New York. The uh, good old days. Show me them titties, girl. Uh, uh, and if you believe people will be there in like two weeks, <laughs> you know, you know, these, you know, will Eric Adams, you know, push us into the future. Who knows? Um, so yeah, I I like I I'm a little upset that Karen like sees broken foggy and is like crying and is like, oh my God, maybe I have feelings for him. And I'm just like No, you don't. This this is where it's like, does Karen have a complex or is this just how we think women react to things? So like that's always a question mark for me. Um and I'm I I, I need to scroll back and I need to look at it because I don't think, I think that while we have a female, no, there are no female nurses here. Karen is still the only lady that we see. The only one. Did I not know that women didn't used to be nurses? Like was nurse not even something women were allowed to do? No, women were always nurses because it wasn't the doctors. Okay, I didn't know if they weren't even allowed to be nurses. I didn't no, know if it no, was, no. Like, you can be a midwife. Like, no, 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 no. Nurses, they were allowed to be nurses because that's the caring part. That's the, that's the sweet part. That's the nice part. So this is just um, a weird art choice. Yeah, that like they're, like the fact that he, well, it's because she walks in while the doctor is there. And then these are orderlies. And orderlies are men because they're the ones who are going to like put you down if you're upset. 
um, which they now train women to do as well. But it used to be that orderlies were the big burly guys who like, you know, you were like, I need 10 towels and that man to get 10 milligrams of whatever to put stat. it down. Yeah, stat. And <laughs> they couldn't be trusted with much because they were mostly just hired muscle in, in scrubs. Like um, ox. Like ox. Oh my God, he's perfect for it. Um, also, I'm very fascinated that like, they were like, oh, um, it's, it's that they, cover, they covered eel in sand, correct? Or dust or something. Yeah, they made him yeah. not lubricanty. Okay, because like it, for a moment there, I was like, is it because he's not in the costume, he doesn't have lubricant, or mm. like, is the costume the lubricant? Because ew, but that makes it easy to get in and out of. But also ew. This guy sounds like he's just slathered in mayonnaise all the time, like I some just, sort of human pickle. Oh, 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 thank you for thank you for that beautiful foam, fun, fun joke you have um so yeah so i think uh this oh my god we turned the lights out for the fight because we just want to have a little lettering yep which s rosen killing it on letters next oh issue my god. S. Rosen is going to be gone we're going to have Artie simek and we're going to lose our precious s rosen but s rosen doing the best he can with a zillion letters every page. A zillion letters every page. A zillion. We were talking about this. I mentioned this to Clay McCloy Chapman, but um, just that how much wording is on every page is outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. It's crazy. If they were getting paid by the word, this would be the most <sighs> expensive book in the world. I swear to God. I swear to God. This is also a very extended fight sequence for just a couple of henchmen. And for a couple of henchmen that ultimately like, yeah, they're Daredevil 1 through 50 henchmen, but these aren't, like, this doesn't make sense with who Daredevil comes to have trouble with. And, like, next issue, he fucking fights Namor. Don't get me wrong. He gets his ass handed to him. But he fights Namor! Yeah. Yeah. Like, Namor this can is, fight the Hulk! This is just a very... I, I don't want to say that there's not a lot to this issue, but there's not a lot to this issue. Outside of the fact that they were like, okay, so we put Karen in trouble. Let's try putting Foggy in trouble. And I want to do something with the word fear. And let's grab a strong guy and a slippery guy. We good? Good. Yeah. yeah. It's like a wrestling <laughs> team up. It's, you know, and I think one of the things that I'm really fascinated by is even though this had the least issue to it, it's the longest episode. Because like there are things to think about inside of it, yeah. To and to talk about, and I think what we what we found is that like it's not so much that we're just like ah time to complain for forty five minutes, but like that there's a lot of ways in which how these things were set up so early on and being yeah. the original canon that we have to kind of look at, particularly when it's very obvious that these issues are the ones that are getting pulled for when thinking about future issues, future um, media representations and things like this. Like we have to be able to go back to this and be like, what is it about these that struck a chord or made people think like, this is how this person should be portrayed. Like, it's just, it, it is important to do these. I um, agree completely. So it's a, is that why you didn't fight me that much when I said I wanted to start in the 60s? 
you know, it's because I've really come to appreciate the complex web. It's not always my daredevil, mm. but that doesn't make it not daredevil. I haven't always been my favorite version of myself either, but that's part of me and part of who I am. And if this is part of the legacy of a character that provides me so much strength, then it's got to be worth discussing, even if it's to say these things were not done quite to the standard we would expect and we hope for better in the future. Yeah. And I think it's also like there, there's also the moment where we're just like, was this was this groundbreaking for the 60s? Was this, uh, you know, middle of the pack for the 60s? And I think I think right now we're seeing mostly middle of the pack. I think I think groundbreaking will come soonish maybe i mean just having a blind superhero alone is in yeah. some breaking so like I, I feel you i feel you they're gonna get more thoughtful yeah definitely and i think um i think a lot of that is gonna come as we get stronger art and strong not i mean not that it's not already strong but just like more specific art and a more specific like this is what daredevil looks like Daredevil's going to slip into more of a noir tone. Daredevil's going to feel much more. Uh, it's going to bring in more of the law. It's going to bring in more of the duality of man. And we're going to get women who talk to each other at some point. It's going to be great. And way too many blind jokes. Oh, very many blind jokes. But until we return for those amazing, very many blind jokes, I've loved this discussion and I loved talking about this issue even when I didn't love it. I'm so excited for the red suit and for a different kind of eternally wet man in Namor next issue. Cool. Cool. Moist. Well, so moist. <laughs> so moist. But until everybody towels off their moisture, where can everybody find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is tor is at Tori underscore Sheehan and Instagram is at SM Tori. That's Tori with an I. Where can we find you, Nico? As always, you guys can find me all over X's for Podcast, bringing you modern Marvel comics and their discussions three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And don't forget to look out for me in the upcoming Young Men in Love anthology dropping in June, featuring incredible creators like Cena Grace, Joe Glass, Anthony Oliveira, Terry Bloss. I can't stop naming amazing talents in that book. I'm so Covered lucky. Covered by Kevin Wada. Like, Covered by Kevin Wada. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at NicoAction. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And until next time, you know what to do. Stay, Stay fearless. Yay!